like a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. I've got the Kentucky Wildcats on my mind, and I've got a hot gas station hot dog on my breath, Justin Kalen. And Roman Kelly in the house. I'm TJ Walker filling in for Mike Rutherford this afternoon. The last day of the Mike Rutherford hiatus, if I'm not mistaken. I think he gets back from Disney World today. If I, I think there's a chance maybe he could even potentially host today. But sorry, everybody. You're stuck with me from 3 to 6 here on the Big X. And it's going to be an it's so facto unofficial Kentucky pregame show. The Cats take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs tonight. Roman shaking his head, not happy. Roman, we didn't get to meet. I'm TJ. Hey. It's nice to meet you, TJ. I've heard nothing but great things about you. Scoots, I think, is your is your biggest fan. I one of so. them. One of them for sure. You've made quite the impression on one Scooter Dingus. That's good. You know, I'm just trying to make my way. Good. Well, off to a hot start, it sounds like. And I, I normally say hi to the producer before the show starts. Scoots can attest to that. But, one, was rushing here. Two, there was a bunch of stuff in, in, in the studio. I wasn't sure whose stuff it was. It was Scoots. He's getting ready for his game tonight, so he's taking all his pregame notes. More notes than I would have anticipated, Scoots. Oh, really? So, yeah, he's across the way from me. Normally, he is in the other room. So, a whole different setup this afternoon at the Big X Sports Radio Studio. What game do you have tonight? I've got Lanesville and South Central. It's going to be horrible. Oh. It's going to be absolutely horrible. Probably a 30-point game, if I had to guess. Interesting. Earlier this season, it was, I want to say, 33. So, yeah. It's it's going to get pretty ugly. Okay. Well, you sound excited. But if, it's if, first round of sexual. It's nothing else. I'm not mad. And like I said, I've got gas station hot dog on my breath. Stop by Thornton's today. Doesn't that sound good? You're getting close to quitting time. Why not head on over to Thornton's, get yourself a big old soft drink, 32 ounces, 89 cents. You can get a delicious breakfast. Well, you wouldn't want a breakfast sandwich anymore. A lunch, <laughs> that's the morning radio in me, Scoots. You can get a lunch sandwich, chicken. They're delicious. They've got spicy chicken sandwiches, which were also great. Did they take the wings off the menu at Thornton's? I, I think haven't so. Seen, I haven't, I haven't seen, seen them in a while. while yeah. And they weren't bad. No, they, they, they weren't. They, they weren't bad. Maybe they're just revamping them up for the summer release. I know they got – I was doing some production this morning for some Thornton's commercials, and I know they've got a – was it a chicken and waffle burrito coming out? That's exciting. Hot, hot honey sauce in it. You've got, yeah, chicken, obviously, cheese. That's going to be awesome. Very interesting. Can't wait to try it. Yeah, well, everything at Thornton's is great. I also can't wait to try it. And I can't wait to hear from you all on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. First text 
into the show. Really, one of the KRC guys was the best we could do for today. You know it, baby. <laughs> TJ can go to fire. Back to back to normality tomorrow. Oh, Don't can worry. go to hell. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Maybe I thought you were talking about my haircut was fire. Scooch complimented my haircut today. It is pretty fire. Kind of. And he said, normally you look so disheveled. Who? It's normally sticking straight up. You look like a peacock. Looks nice today. Like you just got through, through some business meetings or something. It, it does look the 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 hairstylist. No barber, right? You're a hairstylist guy. I'm too. a hairstylist yeah. guy. Yeah. Scoots is, or uh, Roush is a barber guy. Correct. I'm a hairstylist guy. You're a hairstylist guy. Roman barber guy? You're a barber or hairstylist? I'm a barber myself, so I'm a barber guy. You oh. cut your own hair. Wow. Not my own hair, but <laughs> got a like, you know, good handful of buddies that I cut all their hair. Do they pay you? Yes. That's Handsomely, nice. they pay. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm self-taught, so it's 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 about as good as you can get. And, and I'm sure it's cheaper than what you're gonna find. Yeah, I, they give. You know, I'm giving them a deal. They're helping me out it's in my living room. You ever see like one of your boys go home with a girl after you give them a haircut? You're like, all right, that's partially. I, I, I've had a couple Friday evening cuts that you know later that night they're like, hey man, I keep getting all kinds of compliments on my cut. That's Thank huge. You. It's huge. Yeah, that means is, I'm doing the right thing. That's really really big. Good. Well, that. Man of many traits. Scooch, I tried to didn't be. tell me that he was a barber. He can do it all. Yeah. Uh, it, opposed, supposedly, he doesn't know how to call somebody out from the station, though. He can't do that. You're going to need to show him. <laughs> One thing he can't do. Well, really, maybe he can. Meaning you? No. Well, he, he. I was texting with Roman. We're texting. And I just said, hey, we're going to be calling Mark's story around 3.30-ish. And he said, I've never called anyone. I've only received calls. Oh, okay. I can walk. You're looking that. at me like I've got a third eye. I can walk. Is, is, is everything okay? Yeah. Is this, We're good. Are, are you not sure how to call people? I, I, I don't know that, if I remember. That's, I think, what is going on here is I think you don't know how to call people. <laughs> I'm have, sure I could get Mark's story to call into the station. I have to do it me. every day for Matt Dennison, so I think i got a handle on it. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your face was, I was like, oh, no. Sorry about that, Roman. We'll get it all taken care of. Well, this will be a real fine-tuned machine. We're going to have Ty Spalding on, so we will talk U of L. If you're not subscribed to Ty's U of L Rivals message board, highly recommend that you do it. U of L desperately needs somebody covering their athletic program that isn't just going to be a butt slapper and tell you everything's okay or tell you everything's all right. Ty Spalding will tell you when things are bad. He'll tell you when things are good. We're going to have him on the show a little later on the show, uh, a little later. In hour number two, I should say. And he's on Twitter, at Ty Spaulding. But he had a really interesting post about Kenny Payne, where things are, where things are headed. So I would go to cardinalsports.com and read that. But if not, we'll talk with him about that. And then, Scooch, this will be probably when you're on the road. But Big Blue Drew in the final hour are going to be coming on. You love Big Blue Drew. You got to see him yesterday. I know Roman isn't a Cats guy, so he's just got to be wondering what in the world. Well, he would love Big Blue Drew. A Big Blue Drew. He's great. He'd we love, love we too. love a Big Blue Drew. We'll have him on in the final hour to really get you ready for the Cats in the Bulldogs. We talked a lot about that game this morning on KRC Scoots. I didn't give a prediction. I'll do that later on in the show. And like we said, we'll be periodically and consistently going to the Thornton's text line, which one texter here says. Who the hell is Roman? Roman, you want to introduce yourself? 
I'm a young, uh, young Louisville graduate looking to pursue a career in sports media. I think that's the best way to put it. Well put. Uh, what's the elevator pitch? No, you don't have to do that. But you went to U of L. What'd you major in? Communications. That makes sense. Did you go to high school in Louisville? Yes, Atherton High School. Atherton. So I could throw a rock from my house to Atherton. I We had all of our football games, just like neighborhood football games, up on the practice field, sledding, the elite sledding hill back there at Atherton. Yep. A good chunk of my childhood, despite not going to the school, took place at Atherton. Some memories you can't even state on the radio, yeah. unfortunately. I had a few of those at Atherton as well. I grew up on Wickland, right there behind Atherton, if you're, okay. if you're yeah. familiar yeah, yeah, with yeah. the neighborhood. I had a buddy up there. A little, I had a buddy up there. Uh, Cool. Well, there, back, there's like a little uh, gate, little sneak entrance up there to get into the football oh, yeah. field. There, there are several holes and gates along that whole property. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fun place. Did you, uh, you were long gone, long past after Jack Harlow, obviously. No, no, no. no. I'm, so I'm 25. Um, Jack, I was class of 16. I was class of 17. And he also went to Highland Middle School where we, I went. So we wow. were, yeah, we were, we were friends at Highland, friends at Atherton. Um, we also played soccer <clears throat> now for whatever reason, Jack only played soccer his eighth grade year and his senior year. So two seasons, we were teammates, two specific seasons. Sounds like a glory boy to me. Just wants the senior days. Yeah. Just pretty just much. Want, just wants his Jersey Sarah. Well, he got talked into it. He, he got asked every year to play in high school. Um, you know, was always a potential good center back candidate. Why wouldn't um, he want to play? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. He was. I don't know. Or who was better? I, yeah, I feel like he just didn't feel like he had it in him. You know, feel like he didn't want to unless he was guaranteed success. He didn't want to do it and kind of waited till he knew it was guaranteed success. Got uh, Scoots asked who was better between you two. Oh, well, be honest. I, Jack. So Jack. Jack was more of a force on a high school field to me for sure. I will definitely say. You know, he was going to produce more important moments, but as a defender, and I was I was an attacking midfielder. So, like, you know, I, I could dribble the ball a little bit better. But in high school, uh, you know, any guy who can jump high over six foot is going to dominate defensively, and that's what he did. Very interesting. If you all ran into each other, would he say, hey, what's up, Roman? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's a, that's a buddy of mine. I could, like, I wow. go to all his little, uh, you know, he throws a couple different parties every year I go to. Nah. What is the look on your face? impressive it is impressive it, it like to and, me, people say that to me and i just forget almost because i mean like i was helping him my sophomore year of high school i was helping him like we were we were buddies way before any real fame so it doesn't it's just kind of a cool you know old close friend i'm watching have success like i was helping him pass around his cds from his first official album that was put on cds like in around atherton that is so cool. A fun story to share on radio. So basically what you're saying is Jack Harlow can thank you for his, his yeah, fame and success. Helped market him. I was a, I was a marketer for Tell him. you somebody who could use one of your haircuts, Jack Harlow. <laughs> At least the shape. He's, he's, got, <laughs> yeah. he's got all kinds of things going on with that hair, it seems like. Well, that's sweet. Uh, so uh, did you grow up in the neighborhood around Atherton? So no, I was, I was a Crescent Hill guy. Nice. I grew up off of uh, Frankfurt Avenue pretty much for the most part. Good deal. Yep. Good deal. Good. Well, we're happy to have you a part of Big X. I'm happy well, to be here. Yeah. I'm really excited. Sorry to hear your U of L guy. Though. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's already been two UK guys on here I've been with, and I've have to like, I'm having to figure out how much of my own I need to hold here. Hold as much as you feel fit. If you if I if you hear something at any point today that you just feel like is out of bounds, off the wall, not appropriate, not true, not fair, speak out. 
Our radio show in the morning, which now that you're part of the Big X family, unfortunately, you're going to have to listen to every single day. Yeah, I'm going to have to cut it on. 7 to 9, uh, you wake up early with us, but don't worry, Roman, also on podcasts as well. But uh, in all seriousness, we we take every text into the show. Lately, Scoots, we haven't been doing as good of a job. Do you no. get the vibe that Roush is just out on the text line? He he always he never wants to go well, to it, always wants to just late in the show. I'm like scrambling to try to get in as many as I can, and he'll just bring up you know my dad and trains. So two things with the text line with us in the morning. One, we started doing it where we read from the bottom instead of going from the top where we left off the previous day. Started and, from and, the bottom. And I think that really has caused confusion for Roush. So I, I think that's where <laughs> it comes in that you just feel like he's not engaged with the text line anymore. So I just I don't know that he ever knows where we're at. On the text there line, will be like I don't ever four know or five at. minutes left in a show, and I'll be like, oh my goodness, we've read like four texts well, in today's show, and I'll be like ready to go, and he'll be like, and that brings me to point 37 about Liam Cohen. Well, and that's my second point, is the fact that we read one text, and then we'll spend 10, 15 minutes on it, and it's like, that's not a way to clear the text line. We're always going to struggle if we do that. Yeah. I feel like the texters want to be involved as they're coming in a little bit, though, don't they? Great point, Roman. It's something that we have discussed and something that's probably totally true, but we feel like selfishly our conversation topics, yeah. is, is first, and then we'll go to that and weigh in. And, and I think ultimately there's just no great way to do it, but you're not wrong. That crosses my mind frequently. However, I do like sometimes scoots when we just bring up something totally random and it's like we hadn't talked about it in an hour and 30 minutes, but it was at the time the texter had. Mm -hmm. And then it can just bring up laughs, a topic that maybe somebody wasn't able to listen to earlier in the show, a little behind the scenes producing. But the reason that we like to read every text is just because, Roman, we say stupid stuff all the time and we don't want to feel like we're like hiding behind the radio, if we say something dumb, we like being called out on it. We like to learn from our mistakes, don't we, Scoots? That's right. Mm-hmm. So if you hear something you disagree with, feel free to chime in. And like I said, we're going to have Mark's story on here in our number one. But first, let's read a few more texts into the show. Uh, oh, I always hate seeing this. Somebody thinking that it's Mike into the show. Did you happen to witness this while you were at Disney World? You and Mike do sound a little bit alike. Some We write a lot alike. You write identical. Yeah, we have the exact same handwriting, which is so concerning. And the way we found out was by both leaving like little cutesy <laughs> notes behind to one another. <laughs> I'm in the studio 7 to 9. He's in the studio in the afternoons 3 to 6. And we'd leave little notes. And after like two notes, we both were just like, whoa, that is, that is bizarre. The most recent one was me saying, Mike, have a great vacay. Bring us back something French. And then he drew a picture of a mouse. Yo, I don't understand the French thing. That's Home Alone quote. Uh, Have fun. Bring us back something French. I don't recall that. When they're leaving to go to the airport and that little kid gets counted as Kevin. Mm-hmm. Don't remember? No, I, I just don't remember that quote. No. Okay. Not yeah. at all. Well, that's the quote. And that makes me wonder if Mike, but he also is a little bit more cultured than you. So I would imagine <laughs> that maybe he would he would pick up on it. Uh, but, yeah, it was a link to somebody dying at Disney World. So, not really what we're looking for on today's show anyways. Uh, another texter on the Thornton's text line. They say, $10 Roman thinks Big Blue Drew is a brother. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I wasn't thinking that yet. I would have had to hear him first. 
Uh, if you hear him, you really think that. Stay tuned. <laughs> and he's not? To the final hour to see, to see if Roman thinks Big Blue Drew is, as the texter puts it, a brother. You'll have to just find out and tell us what you think, Roman. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Another. <laughs> they said, KRC listener here, just want to say Scoots is the man and the hardest working man at the Big X. Uh, I don't feel like it today. I feel like I've really mailed it in today. What? Why? What, what have you been up to or lacked thereof today? Just, you know, I just I had one of those days where I... So I forgot to record the last segment of Spears' podcast, that's, which... That's tough. I've never, ever done that for well, Spears. I've only done, a one-hour show, I've so... Done, <laughs> I've done about, it... About 33% of it. I've done it for KRC. <laughs> I've done it for Hoosier Report. I have never forgotten to record a segment of Spears. So, yeah, that happened today. He, he didn't really even care, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of beat myself up about what it. What did Spears say about it? He was like, "We." Uh, he was like, "Are you even going to upload it, or are we just going to skip that today?" He was like, "I don't really care," and I was like, oh, "I'll upload it." You know what the funny, maybe funny thing is about this is Big Blue Drew insinu asked if if Roman was a brother himself. Mm-hmm. Just now? Yeah. Well, earlier. About like 10 minutes ago, which is weird that that other text came in. It is weird. Yeah. He, randomly, he randomly asked that? I, I think he just heard heard your voice. That's super weird. That is pretty weird. Maybe that was Big Blue Drew texting in, <laughs> trying to throw us off <laughs> he, the scent. He's trying to win 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of weird stuff happening on the text line today. The Thornton's text line, keep them coming, 502-414-1450. Scoots is the hardest working man at the Big X. Most days. Most days. Sorry to hear you were slacking today. I can just hear Spears being like, ah, nobody listens anyways. <laughs> and they're, they're still tuned in at that point. It's pretty spot on, yeah. And he's heading down to Nashville. Yeah, going to a Predators game tonight. Sounds, they're going to get after it. Oh, he already told me. He said, we are going to get so drunk tonight. I was did, like, all right. Do you know, Roman, that passengers can drink in the car in Tennessee? <laughs> I did not know that. So if you're in the state of Tennessee, I don't think the alcohol beverage can be within, like, you know, the driver can, like, be where the driver can grab it. Yeah. So maybe if you're in your, the front seat, you're not allowed to. I don't know. That's Somebody will text in about it. That's but. how it was in Florida when I lived down there. I think they have since changed that law, but when I first moved down there, as long as you were out of reach of the driver, you could drink in the car. Yeah, there's two southern states. Is it... Tennessee's definitely one of them, and then is it Mississippi? There sounds you, right. You'll get somebody that'll bring up the fun fact that in Mississippi, you could like the driver could have a beer in their car as long, you know, blah 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 blah, as long as they were under the legal limit or whatever little caveat there was to it. But yeah, in Tennessee, unless it's changed in the last like five years or so, so I know when Spears hits that hits the state line. He's in that back seat. Mississippi, you nailed it. I feel like sporting events could be like that that's surely the only main reason you could do that, right? Do what? Make a law that like, like that. Like Yeah, well like, So what, what were, what there's you, these funny videos and maybe we can find one and play one. But there's these videos back in like the sixties or fifties or maybe even seventies. I know it's different in some different countries, of like when their DUI laws go into effect. And Roman, the videos are hilarious. You'll get somebody that'll be like, oh, what? I can't, what am I supposed to do after a hard day work? Not have six beers on the way home? <laughs> and like, it'll be like a news reporter being like, that's the new law. You're not allowed to anymore. Okay, well, what are they going to do? Stop me? What's next? They're going to make me wear my seatbelt? And it, like the videos are amazing. And there's some in Britain that are like, I think if I'd like to, well, not a good British oh, accent, Britain, but no. <laughs> I think if I would like to have a glass of Chardonnay 
on the way home, I should be allowed to. We should be allowed to take our first commercial break. We'll keep going with the text line. And then Mark Story, a guy that I just enjoy talking sports with, I think he's got when it comes to the state of Kentucky athletics, not necessarily UK athletics, but just the state athletics in the state of Kentucky. There's few people in this state that know more about what's going on and what has been going on than Mark Story. We'll come back. We'll get him on the Mike Rutherford Show, 3 to 6 here on Big X Sports Radio. TJ Walker, we've got Roman in the house, and Justin Kalen. We're back after this. Yeah, this is a horrible song, too. So, to not have my request have happened for this of all songs, turn it, just turn it off, Roman, immediately. <laughs> that's terrible. I mean, that's what you get for sending a request a minute before all we right, come back from all break. Right, imagine, now, can you get that other video pulled up, Roman? Yeah, I'll get it ready. Okay, <laughs> imagine coming back to that, which is what Scoots wanted to come back to, or... We the you hear the last commercial break, go to Thornton's, and then you hear this. Well, you gotta give them time pulled up. I mean, I, I guess I'm not a producer, so I don't know how long it <laughs> takes to click a link that I sent five minutes ago. Well, you can't click it off of your phone. You gotta pull it up on the computer, so you've gotta search it. We, we need gotta to wait get, for those ads. We need and to, ads. And yeah. the ads. We need to ads get him on the uh we need to get a Gmail email for Roman and get him on that thre- on the thread text line. That'd be helpful. Okay. All right, so it's a commercial. And then the show's about to start. You hear something super topical. It's this. Any attempt to restrict drinking and driving here is viewed by some as downright undemocratic. It's kind of getting common this when a fella can't put in a hard day's work, put in 11, 12 hours a day, and then get in your truck and at least drink one or two beers. They're making it laws where you can't drink when you want to. You, can't, you have to wear a seatbelt when you're driving. And pretty soon we're going to be calm in this country. Did you hear that? Scoot's pretty soon. Going to be a communist country. Hilarious. That's crazy. It is crazy. There's a lot of them out there, too, that are that are pretty funny. Uh, let's get Mark's story on when you get a second, Roman, if you don't mind. But welcome back. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. I'm TJ Walker with Justin Kalen, and we've got Roman Kelly behind the glass, the new producer at the Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. We're gonna have Mark Story on talk Kentucky basketball, Kentucky sports, anything else in the in the world of Mark Story. He had a column recently, an opinion piece that he wrote that I totally agreed with. So we'll chat about that when we get him on, and that should be here any moment. But keep the text coming in. We'll talk more U of L in hour number two. We're gonna have Ty Spalding on. He had some message board secrets, playful secrets behind the paywall that we're going to bring up on the air. And then in hour number three, the final hour, Big Blue Drew. But joining us now, we've got Mark Story from the Lexington Herald Leader. Mark, how are you? Good, TJ. Great getting to chat with you. I, I do the morning radio show normally 7 to 9, and I'm not cruel enough to ask you to wake up with me and, and have to talk the cats with your coffee. Well, I do some early morning radio, so that, that I, I'm not averse to that. 
I'll keep you in mind moving forward. But I just feel like such a bother sometimes with having to, hey, can I steal 20 minutes of your time? And also, it's going to be the first thing you do in the morning. But this is the afternoon. I didn't feel guilty at all asking you this time, Mark Story. Well, glad to be on. I'm glad to be uh, included in the Kentucky Sports Figure media poll. I I like participating in that. I like getting to chat with you uh, when we do and I don't, I don't get to cover the games as much anymore, so I don't get to see it at UK anymore. But I still enjoy following your work and all that you have to say. This has been, as they seem to so often be under John Calipari, a pretty unpredictable roller coaster of a basketball season. But one thing that you had about uh, just a couple days ago, I think, where you mentioned Kentucky fans have gotten a bad rap, and I could not have agreed more with you. The atmosphere is a Rupp Arena. I've been to a few games, not as a media member, but as a fan. They've been amazing this season, as good as any other season that I can remember, Mark. Yeah, the big games have been incredible. And what got me thinking about it was I overheard an Alabama writer just saying that it was the first time he'd been in Rupp. But then he goes, but the atmosphere here is not that good, right? And I'm like... You know, he wasn't talking to me, so I didn't respond. But I'm thinking, no, the atmosphere here has just been really, you know, it's been special this year. I think, you know, I think part of that is I think the fans like this team. I think it's a popular team. And I just think, you know, the SEC's gotten better, so there are more good games, good conference games. And then, you know, they had, you know, they scheduled Gonzaga and brought them to Rupp, and there was a great atmosphere for the Miami game back when we, long ago, when we thought Miami was good. So, you know, it's, yeah, the, 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 the idea that, you know, Kentucky doesn't have a big home court advantage at Rupp Arena, at least in terms of what the fans produce, is, is not true, or it hasn't been true this year. That's wild you heard an Alabama media member say that. And that all comes from Kentucky fans or media, sometimes both, where there's that, this idea that Kentucky's atmosphere isn't, isn't great at Rupp Arena. And I, I just don't know how many people watch. And for big games, totally agree with you. I think it's always been great. Kansas is probably just a better arena. IU for really big games can be a better atmosphere than than Rupp. But just for an average night, even for a Kansas game, an average night for an IU or UNC or Duke game, it looks a lot like Rupp Arena does for an average night. But there's this idea that Kentucky fans have to have the most raucous atmosphere and environment even against Popcorn State. And it's just not the reality, and it's not the reality anywhere. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that, that lead into that perception. I think because when Kentucky goes on the road, it's usually a, you know, a, big, a big deal and a raucous crowd. So people just assume that other schools have this as just kind of their norm, and you're probably not paying attention. You know, when Kansas plays, you know, Winthrop or whoever, um, you, you, that's probably not a game you watch. You don't see, you know, just kind of the normal – crowd now it is true that kentucky plays you know kentucky you know in november they play a lot of games against you know your basic you know your stonehill college and your texas a&m commerce and, and those atmospheres are fairly sterile but i just think that's you know i just think that's kind of the norm for anybody when you're playing those kind of games that you're not going to have a super raucous crowd and to be honest, I don't know that you want a super raucous crowd for those kind of games because then when you have a big game, it's not special. That's another great point, too. If it was like that every single evening, it would probably be a nice competitive advantage for Kentucky. 
but there's it's just not the reality of human nature. They get up for big games just like players can get up for big games. And even sometimes when it doesn't seem like a big game and UK struggles, you'll get Rupp Arena trying to encourage the team as well as any other fan base that I've seen and or heard on TV as as you, as you see fans do. But uh, the, the the fans, they're... I think they just generally look for for something to complain about. That's the nature of fans. It happens. But there had been, at times, plenty to complain about with this team on the court, not what the fans are doing or the noise level or anything like that. But it has been a really up-and-down season. You've caught us on a good day, Mark Story. UK fans excited and optimistic heading into this one in Starkville, although they are underdogs. Did you expect this team to have as many ups and downs this season? You know, I, I'd probably not. Um, you know, I, it, it's been an unusual season because when this team looks good, I mean, they just, you know, it, it, it's incredible. And, and they're, they're a fun team. They, you know, they've played a fun style mostly. You know, it, it's been an enjoyable team to watch. You know, even just strictly as from an entertainment quotient, even some of the games they've lost have been really entertaining, up-tempo, you know, in, enjoyable games with an unhappy outcome from the UK perspective, but yeah, it it it's it's. I don't know that I remember a season quite like this in terms of just how unpredictable the team has been. You know, they've played pretty well in big games. They've you know lost games that I think we all agree they shouldn't have lost, and and, and some of that is the conference is better now. I mean, the top of the SEC is good. There's more depth. You know, there's obviously a couple of drags at the bottom of the league, but otherwise everybody's decent. So if you go on the road, you're 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 going to play a tough game. Um, you know, everything would be fine had they just not lost the home games. I mean, that's basically the thing that's you know, I think sort of thrown everybody and thing that's made this an unusual season. Usually, a good Kentucky team does not lose at Rupp. This team obviously has lost four times. Uh, if you win three of those. You know, this whole thing, the whole tenor of this thing would be a whole lot different. Yeah, we mentioned that actually on Kentucky Roll Call yesterday morning, saying how the, the we're going to look back at those home games, and that's really what is making this uh, UK struggling to clinch a double buy in the SEC, one of those top four spots. If you take care of business at home, you're not sweating that as much. Um, you're probably a top 10 team at, at that rate, which is much more where I think fans thought this would be. But I have two schools of thought, and I'm with you sometimes feeling conflicted on on what my expectations were going into the season and how it's all unfolded now that we're just a a few weeks away from Selection Sunday. But this team is going to have so many people that play in the NBA and probably several that play very long into the NBA and have good careers. And I just can't help we're not going to look back at some point looking at all that NBA talent, which we've done with other John Calipari teams, and say, goodness gracious, that was so, they were all so good, and they were there together, and how were they a five seed or a six seed or a four seed, wherever this ends up, but I would probably feel comfortable in it being one of those spots. And, of course, they can make up for that by going on a big March run or winning a championship, or if they lose early, then that's going to be the big talking point. But on the flip side, when you're having to reconstruct a roster, and I know this is the way that John Calipari prefers, and nobody's feeling bad for him because of it, but those take time. There's learning curves to bringing in five new players, seven new players, having an entire new team that has to get the chemistry to play with one another. You'd be naive to not think that there's not going to be a few hiccups. But that being said, I 
I, it's two schools of thought. There's a ton of talent here, Mark, but it also is a completely new team, and it is pretty much every year under Calipari. Yeah, and that, I think, is a mitigating factor, but it also it's a choice. I mean, it's a choice to set up your program where you're going to basically have a new team every year. So, you know, I think people you know, are, are less willing to grade on a curve, so to speak, because you know, it's not – you know, happenstance, you know, they, Kentucky's chosen to, you know, organize its program in such a way that you have a brand new team essentially every year. So, you know, that cuts against it. You know, I, I think it feels like at various times that the results, maybe the, the, the sum has not been greater than the parts. And I think that leads to frustration. And then obviously, you know, the other context here is, you know, they haven't been to the Final Four since 2015. They haven't been out of the first round of the or the first weekend of the tournament since 2019. Admittedly, there was not a tournament one of those years. You know, they've won what the SEC regular season once in the last six years, and they've won the SEC tournament once in the last six years. I mean, there's you know the standard here. You know, for good or bad, is sort of unrelenting excellence, and they've they've had a hard time getting to that standard recently. And I think that frames some of the frustration that this team, that I think the fans like and think is good has had has been so up and down i'm a cal i I like cal i i think this this march run needs to be significant it needs to create some fun memories it needs to get out of the first weekend of the tournament no doubt about that but i like cal i like him personally i think he's a, a good ambassador for the program. Don't agree with everything that he does. He's not without criticism. Oh, Justin Rowland had another kid. Congrats to Justin Rowland and his family. That's so exciting. Uh, But one thing that I kind of have trouble wrapping my brain around, and this would fall under the line of the more, the the Calipari haters, if you will, or people that are a little bit more critical of him, is you did have the National Player of the Year return last season, Mark, and all you were able to do with it, you you were worse seed than you the, you had the year before. You did technically go one game further in the NCAA tournament than you did the year before, but you had the National Player of the Year return, and you didn't do much with it. Purdue, they have the National Player of the Year return, and they're going to be a number one seed, maybe the number one overall seed, uh, potentially. And they're going to have – and the I think the answer here, Mark, is just roster construction. Purdue returned three starters from last year's team. I think four or five of their top six or seven role players even. They returned everybody. Now, to argue with myself here, Matt Painter hasn't been past the Sweet 16 since the last time Kentucky went past the Sweet 16. So it's not like necessarily it's equaling results – but I just I, I look at what some other coaches are able to do with less talent. Do you think that's an indictment on John Calipari? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, you know, the since twenty seventeen, which would have been the Monk Fox Bam Adebayo team, you know, it, I don't think Kentucky's been at quite the same level it was early in the Calipari year era. Now, some of that. It, you know, and people don't like to factor this in, but some of that is luck. Yeah. You know, that, that 17 team, you know, lost on a last-second shot. I think we look back at that tournament, the two best teams in the tournament were Kentucky and North Carolina. They played in the Elite Eight. It went to the buzzer, and Carolina won. And when Kentucky made some of its final four runs under Calipari, they, they hit some of those shots. In 2011, they, had, they needed a last-second shot to beat Princeton in the first game. You know, they hit a last-second shot that beat Ohio State. 
They hit a clutch three-pointer from the deep corner that essentially beat North Carolina. And then they didn't hit free throws and lost to Connecticut in the Final Four, but you know they, they had good luck at, in, in that tournament. And obviously the 2014 tournament, you know, James Young hit a huge shot against Wichita State, and Aaron Harrison hit essentially the deciding basket in three straight games. You know, they went to the, the the finals of the tournament. You know, they haven't had that. You know, they haven't had those some of those breaks. They've been on the wrong end of some of that. But you know, it's hard to argue. You know, just in terms of the results, that you know, there hasn't been some program slippage. You know, you know, I don't, I don't think the university. You know, I think people that are calling for Calipari to be fired are not sort of living in the real world. Because I think the university decided in 2019 that he was going to be the coach pretty much as long as he wants to be. And I think that continues to be the case. If he wants to be here, I think he's going to be. Uh, but you know, I'm, I, I understand some of the fan frustration. Uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the standard here is excellence, and that stand, they've had a hard time getting to that lately. That was going to be my next question: is do you, is he sticking around? Do you see him here for at least another season? And you, and you said that you think that he he will. I, I also think so. And it's a great class coming in, as it always is. And Maybe you get Reed back. Maybe you get Adu back. Maybe you get some of these other guys back where it's just not a total and complete rebuild, and, and folks could get excited about that. But before we can worry about that, Mark, last question. What? How do you think it unfolds with this team? Because so much is riding on this march. I think people aren't necessarily forfeiting the seed, but I think they're willing to accept, all right, it's not going to be coming out of the one or the two seed line like we thought. They're not going to win the SEC regular season championship. But you've seen them be able to take it to the best teams in all of college basketball, and you've seen them struggle against teams that aren't going to find themselves see, see hear their name called on Selection Sunday. In your mind, and tonight's a big one, we'll, we'll see if they can continue this momentum from the Alabama game, but does this team figure it out? Do they make a March run when it's all said and done, Mark Story? I kind of think it will. Uh, I think if they can get – to the double buy in the SEC tournament, I think they have a real good chance to win the SEC tournament. And, and obviously, if there is any way they could play their way onto the three three line, I think you have a better chance of making a deep march run if you can get on the other side of a region from the number one seed. But I feel like they're going to win the SEC tournament, and I think they will at least make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And I think that is a step in the right direction, although that may not be enough for everybody. Yeah, Nick Roush and I have had a joke that probably will end up coming to fruition that whatever's the most complicated gray area result that will have the fan base somewhat in turmoil, somewhat in support, that's probably what it's going to be. Well, that, 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 there may be something to that. Uh, one of the problems when a coach loses – a good portion of a fan base, short of winning the ultimate championship, it's just hard to get everybody back on board. But I do think if they, you know, play well in the tournament and, and, and make a run, even if it doesn't go as far as everybody wants, but if it is an actual run, I think people will feel better. Did you enjoy the Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham pizza advertise, uh, advertisement? Would you that that was pretty successful, if you ask me. I agree, and I think what made it successful was it was so unslick that <laughs> it made you think they actually liked the pizza, maybe. <laughs> we talked about if that was intentional or not. Like, if, if Donato said to them, like, hey, guys, we just want you to look like you just woke up and you're being held hostage, or if that was just their creative spin on it. But regardless, it was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it was, like I said, I think it was effective because it 
did not seem super produced or you know super uh, scripted. To me, that almost made it more effective. It, you felt like they're just a couple of college kids extolling pizza. <laughs> BZ, who's uh, who's very active on Twitter, and he texted into our show. He said, "I walked into Donato's and asked for the Robin Reed special today, and they said that I would want no part of that hot honey glaze at this location." And I took them for their word. <laughs> I'm not, I kind of wanted to try that. Now, now, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm worried. You may want to ask the recommendation at the store just to make sure. But I was I was right there with you, Mark. I was like, man, maybe it's just Reed and Rob doing a good job selling it. But that does kind of sound good. I do want the F one fifty. I also love pepperoni, Mark Story. Yeah, Rob was sort of just playing it straight there, just you know, keeping it real basic. It looked like he was about to crack. Also, I wonder how many takes it took him. All right, Mark, we really appreciate your time. I know I've been wanting to get in touch and talk some sports with you so this was enjoyable for me and hopefully for the listeners as well so thank you for your time thanks tj appreciate you having me all right mark story the lexington herald leader make sure you're following along and he tweets thought-provoking articles and just fun tweets so check him out mark story at mark c story on twitter roman you were shaking your head about this uk team making a run when that question was asked to mark story you were saying no 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 so you don't think they can make a run? Uh, now, I mean, obviously, if, if if you get the right end of the stick for the tournament, so and so much of it is the draw the and draw who, can, who upsets who really, and how your bracket unfolds. Yeah. yeah, the draw can really put you in the right direction if you get good matchups. But that's where I think UK will have trouble. Is there's going to be teams that yeah they're going to make it out of the first weekend. They they've got too much scoring power to to not. You know, it'd, it'd have to be a weird, extremely weird loss in the first weekend for them to lose. But I think if a team comes out and blitz blitzes them physically and knocks their shots down, those you've seen in their losses this year, that's what's happened. They've come out, they've been more physical with them, and then the team's going on the offensive end and hit their threes, right? If you can knock shots down with the rate and then you play bigger than them defensively, I just think they're going to get – I think there's a lot of scary matchups. I think there's a lot of scary matchups for UK right now. Let me go through potentially some of those second-round matchups if Kentucky's, say, a five or a six seed. And you tell me if this is the type of style Kentucky should be nervous about. Okay? Let's do it. Iowa State. <laughs> I say yes. Yeah. I think Iowa that kind of fits almost they, the they're well coached. exactly what you were talking about. They're well-coached. They know how to defend, and they can, they've can. got some guys on that team that can score. Yeah. that I think that that would be a matchup. I think Kentucky – could and I would probably think should beat Iowa State, but not an ideal matchup. I agree with you there. Yeah, on a neutral court, that that would be a scary one for him. I feel like. All right, a Baylor. Baylor's Baylor's weird. I think Kentucky's definitely a better basketball team than Baylor, um, and I, I think I think they beat Baylor. Now Baylor, Scott Drew's a great coach. I think you know Baylor. Baylor's been too inconsistent for me this year. They have been, uh, but college basketball as a whole has been pretty inconsistent for, for the most part. You can't say there's a team that hasn't been shown signs of uh I would say that style would, would worry me a little bit, but I think that they've got young guys too, Baylor does, so I think that an, like an experience advantage wouldn't necessarily yeah. add up or, or matter, and I, I think Kentucky would beat them. So I'm not really worried about Baylor, but they do, they're do they a little physical. I mean, Big, te- big 12 teams normally are. Okay, a Duke. I think Duke. I think Duke would be a scary one. Duke think, doesn't worry me. I think Duke would be a scary one. Bring on him on. Ne- neutral court. A lot of Duke fans are going to be there, no matter where it's at. Mm-hmm. That's that's tough because 
If you get a Kentucky Duke second round matchup, that would be that'd that, be wild. I mean, all you yeah, have to do is a, hit Flipikowski and his knee slash ankle yeah, slash shoulder, yeah, and then the guard play takes over for Kentucky. Really, at that point, I, I, I agree. But at the same time, Duke's they they they've they've shown signs of being a really strong team this year too, in in some of their good wins this year. Yeah, the thing that if I were to to sum up Duke is that they're pretty solid in every area they don't have a major weakness necessarily but do they have enough star power to go win six games and is that star power Kyle Filipowski yeah I mean, he's solid he's really good but he has shown obvious limitations he in gets in foul trouble if he gets in foul trouble, trouble yeah if he, this is about to exactly what I was about to say he gets in foul trouble they I've watched him Lose, lose their uh, you know, identity in some of those games. Another three seed is Alabama. We know how Kentucky could could match up with them. All right, so getting into the four seeds, Illinois. Hold on, think, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't just breeze past Alabama like that. Well, the first off, they wouldn't be a second round matchup because okay, they're yeah, in yeah, conference, yeah. so we true. can sort of breeze past it. And secondly, obviously, it'd be a team that Kentucky could match up well with if you drop 117 points on somebody. Not to say Alabama couldn't beat UK, and maybe we'll see that matchup they in had the SEC 95 tournament. Ninety-five points. They had 95 points. But That's a lot. What was UK had, what was it, 98 points in 29 minutes? That's mm-hmm. true. I mean, that's nuts, Roman. 92. That 92 in 29 minutes. Over 90 in 29 minutes under a half hour of basketball is pretty nutty. Yes, Alabama in the SEC tournament could beat UK, but it, if we're talking about competing for a national championship or a Final Four, yeah, if Alabama's yeah. in the way, then Kentucky's got to beat them, and they should if you can showcase what you did. All right, Illinois, I think, is a, a team that fits that style that you're talking about. Yep. Physical, tough. They're yeah. super tough. They rebound well. You and know that that could be a that could be a dirty game for Kentucky where they they lose an ugly one. You know, I, going they, against Terrence th- Shannon, would they be, lose a fifty-eight to sixty-two type of or fifty fifty-five to fifty-nine kind of game. And Brad Underwear would be very motivated to beat John Calipari very. because he took all of his assistants and said, "I'm getting the heck out of here." Um, super it, up and down year though. Yeah, they're good. Illinois worries me. If they have Terrence Shannon, they can beat anybody in the country. That's Without true. Terrence Shannon, they're kind of dog poopy. But they also have that Damask fella. He is really, he really is good. good. Yeah. He is fun to watch, too, if you haven't gotten to check him out. I would want to avoid Illinois if, if you could. Auburn's another team. Won't see him because of the SEC. But, yeah, may see him in the SEC tournament. That will be a, a different type of game. But, again, Kentucky did take care of business there. San Diego State. They do play a defensive style, but it's I would not, it's not like past years. Yeah, it's not. It's not as good. I'm not worried about them. Creighton, that would be that'd be a fun offensive game, I think. Uh, and I think Creighton I'm I've been a Creighton hater all year, honestly. Mm-hmm. Until they beat UConn. And I do, I'm not gonna say they beat I'm not gonna say they're a better team than UConn, but they exposed some flaws in UConn and capitalized on them, right? And I think they're strongly coached. I don't know how well coached, but they're strongly coached and they fight. I, I hate watching them win, but they've been they've been good in big games. They got a really good five, and then after that, I don't think. Yeah, they're super. There's not they're not deep at all. They're not, and then they basically. And then that have guard's have, small. Baylor Showerman has to have a good game for them, or Trey Alexander, and then Ryan Kockenbrenner, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. He he is so big and funny looking. He's really good too. He's just he's unless you get uh, unless you get lucky and get him in foul trouble, he's just going to get his and do his own sort of deal. But if Baylor Shireman or Trey Alexander have an off night, you're going to beat. Creighton. But the Ashworth guy, if you just bump him around, I feel like Ashworth, you could give him a rough night, and that is going to mess the whole offense up. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, he is only six foot one, 170 pounds, and he's from Utah. And boy, does it look like it. He's he's good. You know, he's great fundamental. You know that 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 T.J. McConnell keeps coming to mind when when I try to think of somebody to relate to him. But um, he's just he's just small. I think that that could be a you know one of those things in the tournament. You come up to some good defensive big guards and. Going but through Kentucky, you know, going through some of those three and four seeds, about what fifty fifty on whether or not we like the matchups or not like the matchups. I probably liked a little bit more than fifty fifty. You probably liked a little bit less than fifty fifty. Could be some of the UK U of L there, but isn't that the tournament though, Roman? These games come down to the under four minute timeout and just whatever player yep. happens to hit shots. I know Mark Story said as much. Where it's just. Early in the Calipari era, those shots were going in for Kentucky and they weren't dropping for the other team. That's something that people always do remember. is They remember the shots for UK that went in, but they don't remember Ohio State having a shot after Brandon Knight's shot. They don't remember Michigan having a chance to tie it. They don't remember Wisconsin having an elbow jumper. Yeah, pretty got clean getting look. a shot off. Yeah. yeah, and those shots didn't go in, so Kentucky had their moments. And now these shots for, for UK, it, it's the bad luck has... Gone the other way, unfortunately, for the Cats. P.J. Washington about misses time. the bunny. It's Und- about time. You, the law of taking, averages law of averages says it, is, it was about time. Well, now it's about time to swing on back, actually. Because yeah. it's been uh, about time yeah, to go well, the other way six with year, it. Five, six years now of, of – Too well, long. No, I'd say there's about there's been about four years in the last six that have been, would, would you say, underwhelming? Last year was underwhelming. 2022 wasn't underwhelming, but you can't lose to St. Peter's, obviously. Uh, the BJ Boston Devin Askew team was horrible. So yes, absolutely overrated. I think that team was came like overrated pretty quickly. Yeah, and the pandemic, not having a summer to work out and play together with a team full of freshmen. A lot of UK fans figured that was going to be not good, but they didn't realize it was going to be that bad. Who did Hero and Quickly lose to? Hero and Quickly, they well, so Quickly's year that he went off was the pandemic year, so he didn't get a tournament run. In 2019, Hero lost to. Auburn in the Elite Eight, P.J. Washington had like a six-footer that he made. He had an awesome game, but he hits that shot. U.K. wins in regulation. He missed it, goes to overtime. They lose. That team definitely should have gone to a Final Four and potentially won a championship. Definitely. That's the best roster in a few years. Uh, Kentucky blew a game against Kansas State in 2018 with Shea Gilgis-Alexander as he was starting to come into his own. They had no business losing that game in, in 2018. And then in 2017, De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, they lose to best UNC. Court, best backcourt in the country. Yeah, and because John Higgins screwed him out of a now, TJ, I want four, in my opinion. I want to ask you something, TJ. Just one this person's coming, opinion. Don't, don't sue me. It's coming from a L fan who's who has not been in tune with Kentucky basketball at all other than the best three players on the roster per year, I'd say. Until this year, right? I'm pretty in tune with them this year. I had a job that allowed me to go down to Lexington a few times. I had to be around basketball games more and such, and I've had to pay a little bit more attention this year. Um, I still don't have a direct, like, what what do you think the reason is that they've been underperforming? I answer Roman's question when we return on the Mike Rutherford Show. You like that tea, Scoots? He's laughing. I love it. We'll be back. we got to go to a break. I'm not doing that on purpose, Roman. But we'll, no, we got to go to a break. I'll answer it when we return. Hour number two, the Mike Rutherford Show comes up next. We'll talk to U of L this second. Welcome back to the Mike Rutherford Show. It's TJ Walker. We've got Roman Kelly here and Justin Kalen on your Tuesday. 
Cats take on Mississippi State tonight at 7 o'clock. UofL, that game is on ESPN, by the way. UofL does not play again until tomorrow against Duke. And that's a long break for UofL. I think, what, a week off Eight there? Eight days, yeah. Yeah, long long time. Uh, do we have an update on Flipikowski if he's going to play or not? According to Spears this morning or today, he's playing. So Okay. Good. Yeah. Worried that he may be dead. By the way, I, I was going to bring that up with you all earlier this week. Was he crying? Yeah. When he walked off the, like, literally he was crying, There right? was, like, tears. Yeah, he would probably be like it was a painful, it was an agony of pain sort of deal. But, no, he, yeah, he cried. He cried. And then Shire right behind him looked like he was crying. Yeah, it made for the silly, uh, a very silly scene in, in college basketball. We talked, it looked like Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> any war movie, just all the theatrics, dramatics, you name it. It was on the court when Wake Forest upset Duke and stormed the court. I've talked a lot about the, the court stormings. Did you see my AI pictures that I tweeted out today, No, Scoots? I'll check them out. I'll, I'll maybe put them on the Kentucky Roll Call Instagram page as well, but... Yeah, pr- pretty funny stuff. That's what Jay Billis has in mind. He wants the cops coming. He wants arresting everybody. Oh, you know what? I think I did see him. I just don't think it's I, we- it's weird. I don't think I understood him. It's weird. AI always just generates making IU being the team that rushes the court. <laughs> don't you think that's kind of weird? That's <laughs> what th- we do. I-, I thought it was weird. Roman, we were talking. You were asking why has Kentucky been underwhelming? Yeah, I mean, like. At what point is it the players versus the coaching versus just the March madness, the madness of March? Like, there's, yeah. the, I feel like those are the three tiers of it's, why you win or lose games in March. It's a great question because nobody can totally be wrong in it. So if somebody wants to be super passionate and take the ball and run with it a certain direction, they can't necessarily be proven wrong. It's a, it's a combination of a couple of different things. Recruiting took a drop for a little bit where they just weren't getting the same. They were getting the number one or the number two class every year, but when you were looking at NBA mock drafts, it just wasn't the same type of talent coming in. And then it was a lot of bad luck just in the tournament. Again, you you could have definitely won a championship in 17. You could have made a Final Four relatively easily in 18. You should have won, or you should have gone to a Final Four in 19 and potentially had won a championship in 19. And it's just like if any of those things happen, the conversation's so much different today. And then in 22, you had a chance at the buzzer to beat St. Peter's. It's embarrassing that you had to go to the buzzer with St. Peter's, but it's March. Things happen. If you survived that game, the way that bracket opened up, you would have played a UNC team in the Elite Eight that you had beaten by 600 points earlier that season. So that team could have made a run. Uh, it's tough to make that argument when you lost in the first round of St. Peter's, but theoretically you could have. But, yeah, that one's a tougher one to make. And then last year was underwhelming. I'm not going to try to make a case for them. They should have. They, they had every chance in the world to beat Kansas State, but that team was just had a pretty lower ceiling, in my opinion. They, they weren't a great defensive team. So part of it's just some bad luck in the tournament for all reasons that I mentioned. Um, part of it was earlier on not giving the level of talent that I thought that they needed to get. And then just some of it a little bit bad luck, and maybe Cal wasn't as motivated or as hungry. I think that could have played a role, but I don't think that's a role today. I think he is motivated. I think he is hungry. I think hearing everybody talk as much trash as he probably hears I think motivates him, and there's been a lot of it out there. But if you didn't hear it earlier, Mark Story thinks he'll be around for another season, and if you didn't hear Kentucky roll call this morning, 
Nick Roush, he thinks Reed Shepard will be back. You had Drew Franklin also say that he thinks Reed Shepard will be back. There's starting to be some buzz from that KSR camp that they, they think Reed will return. And I don't think it's inside information. Maybe it is. Maybe Jack's kind of— I think it's l- blasphemous. L- what's, you, that he would come back? Why would he come back? I just— Scoots can attest if he was paying attention on this show on the show this morning. I, I said as much. I was like, I don't think he'd come back. If he's a projected lottery pick. I think he's coming back though, if you remember. You did. I was yeah. on I was on team Reed coming back. Yeah. If he's a projected lottery pick, I mean, you're talking about just so much money. I just couldn't imagine him passing that. Reed Shepard is not letting his current teammates walk into that draft without him. I can promise. But he's a Kentuckian. It means a little something to Here, it. Roman. Roman, me, it means a little something. Roman, let me tell you something that Roush said this morning that really kind of resonated with me. He said that most kids grow up wanting to play in the NBA. Reed Shepard grew up wanting to be a Wildcat. So he's a lifetime Kentucky fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, his, so, both of his parents played there. Yeah. yeah. But at know. what point in your career did you re- – like, you, you had to have learned, like, NBA is the, is the ceiling here for me. I just don't think that – you know, a lot of people like there's a lot of there's two scenarios, main scenarios going on with a lot of college kids who are NBA bound. Um, one of them is a, you'll see a lot more is that there's a lot of these kids who come from, you know, lesser backgrounds. They've got a, a, a strong desire to, you know, help the family that they've come in, that they're coming from. Sometimes they're already the head of the household. Right. I don't think Reed's coming from any kind of situation like that. So there is not a, you know, some huge, large. I got to get to the NBA and I got to, you know, buy mom a house and do this and that as soon as I can, right? But as a as a competitor who who clearly loves the game and clearly wants to be as the best he can be, I just don't see him taking an extra step at preventing being at the highest level. He'll have a decision to make. I just think if you're projected inside the lottery or inside the top 10, it's a non-starter for anybody. I do think Roush's points and Scoot's points are well taken. He has dreamt of playing for Kentucky his entire life. He may not be ready to say goodbye to it after one year, but then when you're presented with a rookie deal worth $35 million, you may say, eh, that's a little bit better than maybe the $1.5 million I can muster up for one more year at UK. And I know there's some people saying, well, that, that $35 million, that for you know, the rookie contract, it'll be there. It'll be there when he goes. Maybe it won't be. But even still, it's a big maybe. It's a big maybe. It, you don't know what injuries happen. You, you don't know. Maybe he'll – I don't think he'll peak. I think his best basketball is many, many, many years ahead of him. But I'll believe it when I see it. And that being said, Scoots, I was leading the drum saying Oscar Shibway wouldn't come back for a second year because National Players of the Year don't do that. And now it's been two straight National Players of the Year that have returned. Yep. Although Zach Eady said, I'm out. He said, I'm not coming back this year. Did you see that? No. So next year he's gone? He is not coming back after this season. Love he could, that. you know. Yeah. Wouldn't that be another no. year of Zach Eady? People would lose their minds. All right, joining us now. Hey, by the way, first of all, can we get your code word for well, the last hour? You, oh. you never gave it out. Yeah. Now I'm sitting here wondering. Yeah. 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 Time. Okay. All right. Time. Ty Spalding from CardinalSports.com. It's time for him. Ty, what's up, buddy? How are we doing, fellas? Doing swell. Hosting for Mike Rutherford's show. This this show has never sounded sexier. Lucky for Mike. It does sound good. I, I was tuned in. Um 
Roman's a, a new voice, but uh, always good to hear Scoots uh, in the big chair as well. Yeah, it's fun to have him over here. Roman, he's going to be a star in this radio business. I've been, I can see why Scoots is so impressed with the guy, but uh, it, it's it's been nice getting to to meet him, and my first experience working with him has been great. Ty, how has your experience been working with Kenny Payne? There's obviously a coach-media relationship there. Where do things stand between you and the head ball coach at the University of Louisville? Uh, never, other than the uh, the media room, I have never talked to Kenny Payne. Um, I don't think I'm alone in that media group that has not talked to Kenny Payne outside of availabilities and press conferences, but... Um, that's the route he's chosen, and we know who he's aligned himself with and who he has used as his uh, spokesperson. So, yeah, the uh, the media relationship there is, is not a, a working one. It's not a one that's very collaborative. And, um, yeah, so that leads to um, me not really, um, you know, I can say whatever I want. I can, you know. I can tell it how it is, and I don't have to worry about, you know, making sure my buddy's doing all right. So, so I, no complaints. I still get plenty of intel, but, um, but yeah, obviously, um, yeah, I think Kenny is, is uh, as we all know, I think he, he's, he's close to just a few folks in the media, and that's by choice, and that's his decision. Yeah, I saw what you had posted uh, at cardinalsports.com, and make sure everybody, if you're a U of L fan, you need to be signing up. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Rivals Network, so much so that I worked for them for seven years or however long I was there. So uh, you're doing you, the U of L site's never been healthier. You're doing a great job over there. But the Rick Bozich column that made the rounds with this weekend, or I don't, it, it's only Tuesday, but it does seem like this week's been going on a little bit longer. But the Rick Bozich column. Holy smokes, Todd. You were all over it. You crushed it, rightfully so. However, it does have U of L fans a little bit nervous because this is coming from Kenny Payne. He's talking to his media buddies, U of L, Rick Bozich, Josh Hurd. They've all got a pretty good relationship. And U of L fans started to get nervous. Does this mean something? Are they, is he actually going to maybe win out and maybe get a third year? You had an update, basically, on the Rick Bozich column at cardinalsports.com. Do you want to share some of that? I know you may want to tease some of it behind the paywall, but do you just want to dive in and rip it all up and share it with everybody? Yeah, I can shed some insight. You know, there's, you know, as far as the discussions I had over the weekend, I'm not worried in the least bit about there being a year three. Um, I think... You know, I think it's a little weak what Kenny's doing right now um, with the kind of using recruits as shields in a way and kind of uh, he's showing more urgency and passion. Um, when it already doesn't with, matter, it seems like. Correct. You know, there's a few things that he's doing, whether, um, you know, rec- from a recruiting standpoint or just from, like I said, an effort standpoint. And that's all good and well. I'm not saying you should pack it in and wave the white towel, but I do think it's a little weak to to, re, to be doing this to the to a fan base that's you know already um, in shambles of sorts. And you know it's a it's a, it's a manipulation uh, in my mind to really do what he's doing. And 
in particular, I mean, the Carter Knox stuff, you know, Louisville's been in that recruitment, you know, for a while now, obviously given Kidney's relationship with the Knox family. But this uh, Jason Sanin, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. I mean, he's done a ton of interviews. He's done a ton of, uh, he's put out a ton of top school lists, and Louisville's never been on there. Um, he did a he did a sit down with Shirley Donovan actually uh, not too long ago, and Louisville was not mentioned once. And so I, I was like, I started to do some digging, and I was like, where where is this coming from? And and sure enough, you know, there are no coincidences in recruiting. Uh, you don't go from not being an option to seemingly the favorite. Um, because uh, Kenny Payne made a call, or maybe you do, depending on what's said in that call. Um, so, just read between the lines. There, there's a, there's a bit, there's some some stuff going on there that is just, you know, it, it's like you're you're not in on a kid, and then the next week you're you're about to land a fi- you know a five star. Um, like the table slipped that quickly. Um, so. Yeah, that that was my take on the recruits, and then you know one of the things that I've highlighted in there and is that you know Kenny Payne essentially is telling Rick Bozich and telling the fans that he's going to make changes doing to his coaching staff, and and just last year he he laughed off uh, Brooks Holden from the Courier who asked him you know have you considered making any changes? He laughed them off that he had the best staff in the country, um, and here we are. Um, seemingly him, you know, hinting that he will make staff changes uh, if he gets another year. So, like, you can't – You and, and another thing that he's done, which is, you know, I sat in there in the media room after the Kentucky game, and he said to me and everyone else in that room, he said, you know, we're at a point now where there's not any freshman that can come in and play and start over the guys that we have on our roster. This is when we need to go to the transfer portal. And then now he's – He's dangling two freshmen um, out there in front of our faces. So it's just like, the, the to sum it up, the communication, the messaging, the the plan, the identity, or lack thereof of all of those um, has led us to this point, and no last-ditch effort is going to work. I'm not worried about Kenny Penn getting a third year. Um, I, I Like I said, I think it'll be, you know, as soon as they lose – I expect the change to be made, uh, and I'm not worried uh, in in the least bit there. That's ultimately what you had come to the conclusion, that even with this last-minute politicking from Bozich, uh, it's not going to matter, and, and UofL ultimately will move on from Kenny Payne. Is there a scenario, or or is this the scenario? Is this what actually is unfolding? Is there a scenario where it gets ugly, where you know Kenny Payne makes a big stink on his way out? Uh, obviously, there could be some contract negotiations to try to make things a little bit cheaper for U of L. I cannot believe that U of L signed him to a six year deal. It's still just shot oh, against who, like you know, against who. But that being said, do you is this going to go clean once the season's over, or do you think there could be some kicking and screaming? I think you're already seeing some of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kenny doesn't pick up the phone and call Rick Bozich and have him write that article if he wants to um, make this an amicable ending. You know, he just – this is already starting. And, you know, uh, if you read the thread that I posted the update in, you know, someone mentioned that, you know, they're tired of hearing people refer to Kenny as a good guy. 
Um, and look, I kind of agree with that. Like, I'm not saying Kenny needs to, you know, forfeit all of his money that he's owed. I'm not saying, you know, he needs to resign. But the fact that he's, like I mentioned earlier, I used the word manipulate. The fact that he's trying to manipulate the fan base, um, and this is a fan base that already has some mental scarring. They, you know, they already have some some internal wounds per se. They don't need to be. You know, they don't need to be pulled any more than they've already been pulled. And to to do this via Rick Bozich is is to me already a sign of, of this not being a um, a smooth breakup. I, I think you know, and that's where I go back to you know. I'm not. Ma- I'm done making the disclaimer. I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he's a nice person. I'm done making that disclaimer when I talk about Kenny Payne, the basketball coach. It's not necessary. He, we don't owe that to him. I've never met him, so if I did say that, I would be, you know, I would just be going. I'll be basing that off nothing. Um, and in fact, if he cared about this place, he would have shown a little bit more. Um, Ability and just, I mean, we saw it in the Kentucky postgame press conference. He just, the idea that Louisville could ever, you know, compete with Kentucky is just so out of this world. I mean, he, I'm just done. I, I don't, I don't think he deserves the benefit of the doubt at this point. Um, and that's not me saying he's a bad person. I'm just not going to uh, add in a disclaimer anytime we talk about the guy that he's this great person and this, you know, super nice guy, like he might be, but as far as the way he's handled this job and the way he's handling this exit, um, I am not willing to go there. I really like that you said that, Ty. I feel like a lot of people, the first thing they want to say before they go and say what their opinions on Kenny Payne is, though, he's a good guy and the players love him and, and this and that. He's not a good guy to the fans. He's not a good guy to the media. He's not a good guy. It seems like he's only a good guy at practice. And I just I just don't understand why, you know, he wants to come out here and try to it seems like he just wants to save face at this point. He's the, he he knows the job's gone, right? Surely he doesn't have someone in his ear telling him do this and that and you'll get a third year, right? I mean, look, trying to uh read Kenny Payne's mind is virtually impossible. I mean, who I mean, he could be so naive that he thinks he's getting a third year, or he could be so, um, you know, so crazy that he he's trying to make the fans think that he's going to get a third year. I mean, someone told me that he had individual meetings with players uh, over this you know week stretch, and, and he was telling the players that uh, he was talking like a coach that was getting another year. And so, look. Whether that's Kenny just being naive or that's Kenny just um, trying to to throw a wrench in everyone's plans, who knows? But like I said, this is debating that, debating you know whether he needs to make staff changes, debating whether or not like some people believe like they're going to land this five star, one of these five stars in the next week, and you had all of this whole season to, to secure these commitments. Yeah, it's not happening. You had the whole, I mean, they didn't use any of Louisville's prime football games as recruiting opportunities. Like you could have brought this five-star in for a visit during the fall. You could have brought Knox in for a visit during the fall. You could have locked up these commitments during the fall. Um, and at least, um, given us something to think about, you know, before it was already over, but 
the fact that you're doing it with, when you have two or three weeks left on the job, uh, it doesn't sit right with me. And I think it, it, it's not sitting right with a lot of fans as well. Definitely not. Not much time left. We're talking with Ty Spalding of CardinalSports.com. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Ty Spalding. Who do you want the next coach to be? So, you know, I've been saying this for for several weeks now. Um, TJ's the way, a, Ty. TJ's the way. There was a ton of Eric Musselman smoke early on. And I just took a step back and I was like, if you're a serious candidate for this job, you don't want people, <clears throat> truly Donovan, saying it's a done deal in February. Like, that's that's not how these things happen. They don't happen with that much noise, that much attention early on. It's like the, and, it's like the office uh, quote. 24, 48 hours, it kind of turns out that Musselman is, is uh, mending some fences down there in Fayetteville and is trying to you know repair some relationships with donors and boosters and whatnot, and it's, it's looking like he's going to stay down there. Um, so all that to say, I don't think anyone has a good read on of who Josh Hurd is looking at. I really don't. I think for me, if I had to pick, I would say Nate Oates. And I think, you know, I don't think it's unrealistic, but it's really, like I said, it's really hard to know um, what Josh Hurd's thinking right now. I don't think the Musselman stuff was, I think the Musselman stuff was coming more from uh, the agent side, um, more of the posturing side from the agent coaching world than it was L. Like I said, if you're U of L, you you don't want you don't want to tell people who you're hiring in February. I mean, that just gives the their current employer two months to to right wrongs. Um, so I think Josh is playing this very close to the vest. I do believe I do believe Louisville would be able to get Mick Cronin and not have to pay that sixteen million dollar buyout. Uh, based on what I've been told, um, there is a loophole in his buyout that is not hearsay. Um, I if if U of L has access to the same information that I do, I believe they would be able to get around that sixteen million dollar buyout. Um, and if you can get McCronin and not have to pay that, I, I know some people don't want him, and he's probably not the first choice. But uh, Louisville could do a lot worse, and I think uh, he has some relationships um, with with boosters that that maybe have, have left the program uh, when Bettino, um was you know. Uh, separated, but would maybe come back as well in the fold. So I think Mick Cronin's an intriguing option. Um, but really beyond that, I, I think you're just, I think anyone who says they have a, a final three or four of, of who Lowell's, you know, honing in on, I think as of, you know, February you know, 27th, I think that anyone saying that they have a good read on him is probably mistaken. Um, so yeah. Not much there to report on just yet, but um, I think that's because you know Josh Hurts is keeping this really quiet. And, and like I said, you, you just I mean you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to give away you don't want to show your hand before uh, the flop you know the flop like you, you just don't. And I think the Musselman is a, a prime example of why you don't do that and why that really was never um, as solid as it, as some made it seem. As Dwight Schrute said, it's never the person you most suspect, but it's never the person you least suspect either. So it'd have to be somebody in that middle ground. We know Scoot is big on TJ Altzelberger. Do you want him to be your next coach, Ty Spalding? Great first name. I, I would love that, but I 
I don't think he's uh, realistic. I think, you know, he has a hefty buyout, one that I don't think will, as far as I know, there's no loopholes like the one with Cronin. Um, his his family, I believe, is from that area. Um, so his obviously, wife yeah, I'd there. take him in a second. I'd sign up. I mean, hand me the papers. I'd sign him right now. But I just, to me, I don't know that you can realistically count him as a candidate um, right now. Just, and, you know, if, if he, I mean, if you don't think you can get him, then and I don't know if it's it's worth, you know, me and, and TJ, the sports talker, you know, debating if I want him or not. Sure, I do, but uh, I just know that it's probably not likely. I, I mean, another, I mean, another guy that you know, you know, Jeff Barzello, you know, mentioned in his article uh, connected to Louisville with Scott Drew. I mean, and from a money standpoint, like even someone like Scott Drew would be more affordable than TJ Osselberger. I think Scott Drew's buyout is much less, um, and he's not making uh, a ton of money on an annual basis. So, like, you know, a lot of this comes down to finances. Some of it comes down to, you know, whether a coach is happy where they're at. You know, if you like to have all the necessary resources. Um, but I just think in TJ Osselberger's case, it's, it's probably a non-starter. I'd love to be wrong, but that's kind of just my um, initial feeling there. All right, Ty, we have to take a break. You want to stay on for another five or ten minutes? How fun does that sound? Could be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's fine with me. I've got one or two more questions, and then we'll let you go. I won't keep you longer than five or ten minutes. The, the commercial break's going to be the longest part of this whole thing. we got to take a break. We're up against it. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're talking with Ty Spalding. More Ty when we return. Welcome back to the Mike Rutherford Show here on Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker filling in for Mike Rutherford on his last day of Disney vacation. We've got Roman Kelly here. Scoots has left us high and dry, but somebody that didn't leave us high and dry is Ty Spalding because we needed to take a commercial break. He was nice and polite enough to hang out with us, hopefully still there. Ty, what's up? I'm still here. All right, good deal. I had one or two more questions before I wanted to let you go, and then we will. I won't keep you long, I promise. But just us talking, what's the loophole with Mick Cronin? Give me the deets. So I don't – so I was I was sent uh, um, two court cases um, that uh, were reviewed by a contract attorney um, and uh, that person is adamant the buyout is not enforceable. What I had heard originally was um, UCLA switching conferences um, allowed for that loophole to take place, but um, that was my initial intel. And then, um, you know, someone that, like I said, someone that is a contract attorney uh, looked it over uh, and sent me two different cases that. Um, that uh, that show where the loophole comes from. Um, so, so yeah, someone smarter than me. Um, but it exists. There's a lot of, a lot of buzz uh, out there about the change of the conferences, but someone smarter than me that uh, does contracts for a living uh, looked over, um, looked it over from from that standpoint, and it, there seems to be a um, seems to be a pathway there, and and not to mention Louisville CFO. Um, for the people out there, 
Um, Louisville CFO Nick, Nick Bowles, um, two things you need to know. He worked with Mick Cronin at Cincinnati for a decade, and uh, he was born in the L.A. area. So, um, yeah, I, I know um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are, are hesitant with Mick, and I, he may not be my first choice, but I think um, – I would not worry about Louisville overpaying for him, I guess is the best way for me to sell you on that. I that That's all really interesting, juicy stuff. If you're a UofL fan, again, make sure you're on Ty's website, cardinalsports.com, for all this good inside information. It's going to be a really, really busy next month for you, Ty. Uh, not because you're going to be covering basketball. You won't be, you won't be doing that, but you'll be covering a coaching search, and that's always exciting. Tons of info. You need to know who to trust, who not to trust, and it seems like Ty has some inside info. Now, you you could sell me on the buyout, and I'll trust you on the buyout. Here's a much bigger topic of conversation. U of L, if they hire Mick Cronin, I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh at you all, and you don't want me to laugh at you, do you, Ty? Well, I mean, the last time you all played Mick, what happened? They beat Severe Wheeler, led point guard team in a game in December. La di da. La di da. What happened when you all gave Mick Cronin a prospect um, that he that he could coach up? When he had Johnny Jazang, they caught a little bit of fire. But what what's happened ever? What's happened ever since then? I mean, you do realize Mick Mick Cronin's UCLA team was the. F- an odds-on favorite to win the title last year, and then they lost three starters, I believe, to injury. Um, coming into March, um, that that team last year, I mean, you could, I mean, you you follow college basketball. They played Gonzaga in the tournament last year, uh, went down to the very end. Uh, if you go back, Nick Cronin lost, I believe, two or three starters. Um, off that team that took Gonzaga to the brink, um, so they they've been good. Um, and look, I, I, look, he's not my first choice, but I just think I think Louisville could do a lot worse. And I've seen him. Um, you know, he's he's one of I believe four coaches who have gone to you know, fifteen straight tournaments. Um, I mean, I mean, how many coaches out there could Louisville get that have been to a Final Four? You know. Maybe, uh, you know, Dusty May, maybe, you know, not many. Not many, um, so, you're right, Ty. Do you know how many Sweet 16 games Mick Cronin has won? I do not know. It's one. He's won one Sweet 16 game ever. Out of how many? Out of one. Two, three, four, four. I was going to say, I think it's four. Four in his, many, in his career. And how, and how many coaches have never gotten to a Sweet 16? I mean, Cal, when's the last time Calipari's been to a Sweet 16? 20, 2019. It's but as easy as it used to be now, TJ. Cal's won more Sweet 16 games since 2017 than Mick Cronin's won in his entire career, and he became a head coach in 03. Like I, I, I get, know is, and if you can get Mick Cronin on the cheap, you're true. making a lot of good points. I just don't think it's like if I'm U of L and you just can't afford to mess up this hire, 
I think Mick Cronin would be a, po- a risk to mess up the hire. One, he doesn't handle media well. He never has. He never will. Secondly, if things go poorly and U of L fans start to turn the sword at him, he's prickly. He's not fun. He's not like the loving dude that U of L needs to get the fan base pumped up. He's not going to do that stuff. You're going to get pumped up with him only if he's winning. And there will not be a redeeming quality about the guy other than that. I, I, I can I go can ahead. I have a rebuttal here. Yeah, I mean, I think his floor is very high. Like, I think he. I mean, I, I'm not saying his ceiling is high, but I think he has a high floor. And look, I get the fans need to be re, you know reinvigorated, but the fans had their choice on the hire two years ago. Oh, that played out. Not every fan wanted Kenny, but about 90% of them did. They had their pick the last coach. Let's let the, let's let the adults in the room, let's let them pick this this coach. Uh, you know, Totally fair. I agree with you. And you're right about the Final Four bit. If UofL can bring that in, not a lot of places can do that. And look, and who, and look TJ, the actual gold standard of college basketball is UCLA. Taking their basketball coach, that's no small feat. I mean, when we talk about gold standards, there's one gold standard, and it's UCLA. And taking their coach, I mean, that that, that asserts a level of dominance, I think, is, is worth noting. Yeah, and maybe he just wants to play in similar crowds that he's used to at UCLA, five 6,000 people Come at the games, now. like at UofL. Come on now. Could be just a familiar. Maybe he is. At the last, his last home game, they had a sellout there in Poly Pavilion. It was, it was, uh, it was raucous. They lost to USC, but I, I was tuned in. It was a, a late night um, Pac-12 game. They, they sold it out. The students had been, been camping out for, I believe, twenty four hours. So, so mix, 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 bringing some people to games out there. Ty, don't undersell them. Ty, you said he wasn't your first choice, though. Who would be? I, I, I would. Take Nate Oates, my first choice. Hey, Oates would be number one. You like Oates more than Scott? Oh, actually, probably Scott drew one, Nate Oates two, Cronin three. Um, but again, like I said earlier, I really would have drilled this home. I'm hoping to get some insight, you know, as we move closer. But anything coming from U of L side right now is 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 locked up in a safe. Um, pretty much anybody who has um, intel on this search is getting it from the agent side, which I'm not saying that's bad info, but anything coming out right now is, is necessarily coming from U of L. And that's really the way that it should be, Ty, because that's how these things are handled by professionals. It stays under wraps. And not that you may not get a morsel of information. You'll get more than a morsel of information over at cardinalsports.com. But it should Josh Hurd should do his thing, and it should be behind the scenes. It should be quiet because when things get out – that's when the school comes back with another huge counteroffer or it, things can kind of get messy. The best things are usually kept under wraps. So I think the fact that maybe it is as quiet as you're saying that it is, and you know a lot better than I do, that may mean that they're, they've are they got something cooking. Yeah, my dad was in uh, Josh Hurd's suite uh, at the women's game on Sunday. My mom and dad were. Uh, my dad said he sat next to him for the whole game. Um and said he couldn't get a read on anything. Um, uh, he did say that you know he just told you know said you know they're going to get it figured out you know when they when everyone was leaving. But that just goes to show, in my opinion, that you know like you said, I think Josh is 
you know, the, you know, Vince had a had a bigger circle. Um, he's a social guy. Not that Josh isn't, but Vince, um, you know, you know, Vince with the Trinity. You know, he's he's a he's a he's been around. He he just talks to a lot of people, and so maybe there was a few more leaks there. But um, Josh is just a a guy that that's hard to get a read on, and and um, you know, I think I think this will be a search that's that's pretty that's kept pretty close to the vest. He's Ty Spalding. When it comes to U of L news on the interwebs, you need to be following along. Ty, thank you for your time. Thanks for hanging out through the break. A lot of great stuff. I enjoyed the back and forth with you, and I'm sure I'll see you around Linden soon enough. Yeah, hey, go ahead and send send my check. Uh, I'll I'll pick it up um, at the uh, the local the local Thornton's there on the uh, the corner. Uh, I'll meet you there for this. Uh, this check that I earned for the uh, this uh, this segment, I'll, I'll meet you there and collect that. You earn more I... of a check than Kenny Payne has. We're taking all of Mike Rutherford's money this month, and I will be happy to split it up with you, Ty. Awesome, sounds good. See you all, Ty Spalding at Ty Spalding on Twitter. He does a great job. Fun interview. I'm really just totally out on Mick Cronin. Nate Oates would be better. Scott Drew would be great. I, Cronin at Roman, to me, it just screams as somebody that wants to get back to an area that he's more familiar with and, more importantly, get back in the horse racing circles. He's a huge horse racing guy. His brother is as well. What a dream opportunity. Go to L, restore their program, be a hero, and be near the ponies, baby. Be the Patino disciple we all thought he would be. Mm-hmm. be it would come full circle, wouldn't it? Everything would. I still don't think he'd be our best choice, though. I, he would not be the best choice. Now, could he win here? And Ty is right about him having a Final Four, and the the basement would be raised. I don't think you'd have terrible seasons. No, although he would bring the excitement back. I he think is he would also and eleven that this year though. He would that bring a level of seriousness to the program back that we haven't seen. You know, I think it would be like almost going like the jump from Satterfield to Brom. It'd be it'd be similar to that, right? He'd Maybe get, not with good players. He's got Adidas connections. He's very thick with Adidas. Very. Yeah. Um, been been has been for a while now um yeah you know it'd be it would be a it would be a helpful you know push but I don't know if it'd be the best push and like you said it he doesn't have a a lot of factors that once he did hypothetically get the job that would if he wasn't winning that would you know redeem him and keep him afloat you know especially with what he'd be trying to fix so I don't know it wouldn't be bad it wouldn't be great yeah, and but I it also could be. It I could had be for, I'd forgotten that UCLA switched to Jordan in 2021, but still, Mick Cronin was out there before that switch. Yep. Is Cincinnati Adidas? They were. They're Under Armour now. I want to. The Adidas are Under Armour. Well, whatever. They were Adidas. Anyways, I yeah, think Mick Cronin has been around Adidas circles enough that that could be also a sell. It, it, but that would that would add a spark to the rivalry because Cal and Mick Cronin do not like each other. UK fans don't like Mick Cronin. He is prickly. He's a prickly little dude, and he would come in and he wouldn't take much crap from UK, and that would be fun as well, and UFL fans would eat that up, and understandably and rightfully so. It would make the rivalry good. I just, if I'm a UFL fan, I could just, I could see some avenues of failure with Mick Cronin, and UFL basketball cannot mess up this hire. They just, they cannot have another bad coach. It can't be another three or four years of struggle Again, and I don't think necessarily that would happen with Cronin, but I think it could be more likely with Cronin than some of the other names that Ty and yourself said, Roman. Yeah, I think so as well. 
Yeah. Uh, let's get to the Thornton's text line. We love Thornton's, 502-414-1450. But before we do that, I do want to tell you about our friends at Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that promo code BIGX for 40% off. They have a really impressive website. First off, the model on there, he looks a little bit like me, Roman, but he looks a lot of bit like Aaron Rodgers. That's something that we say on Kentucky Roll Call a lot. And if you just go to ShadyRays.com, you'll see what I'm talking Doesn't that guy look like Aaron Rodgers? Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm a computer's being very slow. That's okay. I didn't know if you were on the website or not, but no biggie. Uh, You can use the promo code to save 40% off. Big X at checkout. And right now, it looks like they're giving away a free $25 gift card for orders above $100. Ooh, that's always fun. They got kids' sunglasses, women's, Wow, that looks just like Aaron Rodgers. Does look a little like Aaron Rodgers. And then, this is a more obscure reference, but the woman looks like Tori Deal from The Challenge. If you watch the challenge or any of of those shows, Roman, I do not. Okay, have to look that one up. Uh, she looks like Tori from the challenge, and then he looks like Aaron Rodgers from the New York Jets. And point being, you can look like a celebrity when you're wearing Shady Rays. ShadyRays.com. We love their sunglasses. We love the Thornton's text line. Okay, let's get into here. A texter says. What a troll that Ty dude was. You can hear that Kentucky resentment in his voice comedy. That's what this channel's for. I think he's referencing the gold standard when talking about UCLA. UCLA does have more national championships than UK, but it's pretty much all cats, everything else from a metric standpoint. And I, I, I do think that there is a little cachet to taking the coach from UCLA. And it's not like UCLA fans want him gone. It does seem like a weird relationship. A lot of people were wondering how Cronin would fit in at in Los Angeles to begin with. And a lot of people, myself included, were saying it probably wouldn't had worked. Well, he went on a big run. But you got to remember when he went on that big run, it came from being in the last four in. That's true. And I think they were playing Michigan State at halftime, and they had a really good chance to lose that game. Um if you don't do, if you don't win that, then his Sweet 16 wins Roman go down to zero because that's the only time he's been to the Sweet 16 and advanced out of that game. And it was a year that they had double digit losses. Um, now after that, Ty is right. He had two good teams, two teams that went to finish first or second in their conference and did go back to the Sweet 16, but he could get no further. And then this year has been underwhelming, although they have been playing a little bit better as of late. But yeah, it, if UofL hired Mick Cronin as a Kentucky fan, it wouldn't scare me in, in the Who slightest. would scare you, TJ? What would be your scariest hire for UofL? I don't think this is going to happen at UofL. I'm very, very confident about it. But with all the... You don't watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, do you, Roman? I don't. You're missing out. Great show. Hilarious comedy. Really, really good. The season didn't start off great, but it's it started to pick up. It's got back into its form, and that's not unusual for Curb Your Enthusiasm. But the most recent episode was called Disgruntled, and somebody left an anonymous, moody note at their clubhouse and signed off on it as Disgruntled. So they were trying to figure out the entire episode, who Disgruntled was. And part of the reason you've got UK fans that are disgruntled with kind of the current state of things is just not enough March wins. And it can get ugly with UK fans and it can be loud. And Cal has made as many comments as he has about put it on me. Don't put it on the players. 
And I'm guessing that that's not intentional. I'm guessing the players are hearing maybe even more of it than normal. And that's not to say that like, fans are going to be fans. There are idiot fans in every fan base, and Kentucky has plenty of them, just like anybody else does. But there's this fear, Roman, that Cal may be like, I don't need all this. Like, I can go back to UMass, and I'll be a king, and I can retire there and get good players. Or I don't need this. I can go back to Memphis once they fire Penny, and I can end things well there on that note. I, like, I don't think it's going to happen. And if it were to happen, it'd probably be time for Kentucky to hire a new coach anyways. It's been it's been over a decade. It's been 15 years. It may be time anyways. But, I like, there's a nightmare scenario that what if, like, Cal wanted to go to UofL – to really rub it in UK fans' faces. Now, of course, that would never happen, never in a million years, not even in a George R. R. Martin novel, and especially not after what they may do to his boy, Kenny, only giving him two years. I'm really anxious to hear what Cal's going to say once Kenny gets let go, because you know it's going to be some canned coach speak, but even added, because it's a little personal, where he'll say, hey, you didn't give them enough time. I don't know what they were looking for. They had NCAA issues, and uh, they had a dark cloud over their program. Cal is going to go to bat. And if I still went to press conferences, I'd be halfway tempted to like throw a bone to Cal and be like, if U of L makes a coaching change, just, just to, if it was a relatively quiet press conference or it was one of the last questions, I may throw one out there just to see if he would bite on it because he's going to, he's going to go to bat for his dude. And he's going to have some things to say once it becomes finally official, which Ty is suggesting it will once the season ends. That's going to be interesting. No, I don't think Cal's going to go to L, but I do worry that Cal may go somewhere else just to finish out his career and feel more appreciated, if you will. I don't know if that's true. I, now, in regards to you, or go ahead, and then I, I will give you a, a yeah, name. I was just going to say, I don't think Cal ends his coaching career in a program that is centered around getting top recruits and getting them out and getting the next ones in. I think he definitely wants to have a little bit more fulfillment in the in the last few sets of players he he deals with now I've also been telling Kentucky fans the last few months and this is this is kind of a pretty long point from the foundation of it but I think the foundation of recruits and the players coming into college is changing right before our very eyes I think AAU basketball is changing the landscape of what those top players are and what they can contribute and I think this this type of Kentucky team that we're seeing right here high scoring high big names you know big names who can do a lot of different things and yet they can't defend. They don't seem to play together all the time. That's going to become normal with all the programs that are known for bringing in high recruits, right? Unless you're a school that's centered around building these guys up, staying, getting them to stay two years, you know? And I think that um, Kentucky's going to have a lot of more years like this in the near future if they keep the same mindset, and I think Cal's going to slowly get rid of... I mean, at what point you've, you've accomplished everything you can, why would you want to spend your ending coaching years the highest expectation you could possibly have in college basketball pretty much that's that's another good point that you could go somewhere else where you're just not everybody's not living and dying by everything you're doing 24 7 they've got a place in nashville now stackhouse is going to be out of a job maybe he goes to vanderbilt he's with his family i'd love it i think it'd be crazy if he stayed in the sec uh uk fans would have feelings roman they would have some big time feelings if Cal were to leave and go to another college just off the jump, and then especially if he were to go somewhere in the SEC, which I don't think he'd do. I agree with Mark's story in hour number one. appreciate Mark hopping on. We've had great guests today. We're going to have Big Blue Drew in hour number two. 
but I appreciate Mark hopping on. He thinks Cal will be the coach at UK next year. But I would say the person that I think could be could be realistic, although I don't think it's going to happen, I'm not going to say Billy Donovan or Jay Wright. I'm just going to assume they're off the table. If it were one of those two guys somehow, of course I would not like that. That would worry yeah. me. Billy slightly. Donovan knows what's good for him. He He's he's living lavish. If L somehow convinced Kelvin Sampson to come coach for like three more years, but the dude's 68, so I don't think there's any chance in France that Kelvin Sampson's going to be the next coach at L. but that dude would come in in year one and he would win. And then by year two or year three, he'd probably be in a Final Four. Yeah. And I know I'm saying that as somebody – he's a coach that hasn't been to a Final – or he went to one. Yeah, he went to that. I always forget about that one in 2021. Um, he doesn't have a ton of March success, but he's knocked out the door playing in the AAC for years and years and years and years and years. And then people said, well, he's going to get he's gonna get to the Big 12 and watch what Houston does. They're dominating, Roman. They're dominating the Big 12 in ways that they, only Kansas They look like the does. best team, the best defensive team in the country. Yeah. I mean, they, they look amazing. So he would worry me just because I know he'd win there because he's won literally everywhere he's been, and it hasn't really, with the exception of Washington State, hasn't really taken him long to start winning, at least with program standards and expectations. So he would be the one that would definitely worry me. Scott Drew, I mean, that'd be an amazing hire, and that would be interesting just because he gets thrown around as the Calipari replacement. Mitch Barnhart, Mitch Barnhart, UK's athletic director, he's very straight-laced. He's a top button-the-top button kind of guy, Roman. Okay. And he supposedly has his sights set on Scott Drew. So that's interesting that L also has thrown his name around a little bit. Uh, he'd, he would do well. He wouldn't lose at L. He'd win. So it'll be interesting. All right, we need to end the second hour. We're flying by on today's show. Three yeah, we're, hours. We're getting always, through it, aren't we? It's always scary, three hours, especially when you only do two hours, Roman. But so far, so good. The first two, easy peasy. All right, your code word for those that are playing along, four, F-O-R, four. Final hour, Mike Rutherford Show returns. We're going to have Big Blue Drew. We're going to read your text as well. Don't go anywhere. And an update on the Batcats when we return. All right, welcome back. I, I couldn't dislike the music more today, and it's, Roman didn't pick it out. I don't think. No, not my not my music selections. Today. Yeah, I, I'm pretty versatile. Welcome back to the Mike Rutherford Show. Pretty versatile on my music selection, but just like heavy metal, punk rock, people yelling, screaming. It's not for me. I understand people that do like it. It probably just gets them pumped up and like hyped up and ready to go. But it it doesn't resonate with me. It's probably the only type of music in my entire life that I don't like. Roman is that type of music. Yeah, I, that's that one. And then um, there's there's a there's a good chunk of country music out there that doesn't really resonate well with me either. Not all of it's bad though. I I, I like country. I do agree. There is some country that I'm not crazy about, but I can listen to like 99 percent of country. 
doesn't mean I'm going to like 99% of it, but I can at least tolerate majority of it. There's some heavy metal rock that I just uh, I, I can't I can't put on. But you're, we're putting it on here on the Mike Rutherford Show. One final hour to go. TJ Walker filling in for Mike Rutherford, who will be back in the big chair tomorrow, and he'll have plenty to talk about. In this hour, we're going to have Big Blue Drew on. Excited to get to chat with him and see what he's been up to. It's been a little while since we've had him on Kentucky Roll Call, but uh, we'll probably call him maybe in five, ten minutes or so, Roman. Is that cool? That's fine. I'll I'll get his number over. over. Yeah, I'll get his number over. I do want to let you know, TJ, uh, since Mike's been gone, I've been taking over for the Big X Big Bets. And we've got a few listeners out there who are going to be relying on me, so we got you got to give me a chance maybe at this uh, last half hour to I have get those it, bets out there. I have it in my brain. I have not forgotten it. Scoots has raved about you and your big bet. We will. I promise we're going to get to it. And while I send you the number, why don't you just why don't we do it now? Get into some of the bets that you like. Roman has a pretty good track record, and he's calling a shot here a little bit. He's saying, hey, I want to give the people my well, picks. Well, so you, you know, can't let them down. You know that. I don't know if you've heard or not, but I am a avid NBA guy. I, I've got a pretty, uh, I'd like to say, wide range of knowledge of the NBA right now and what's going on in it. Um, and I've just got a couple lines that I like to keep track of, a um, couple different players that when they play against certain level teams, I like to, uh, you know, pay attention to that, right? Um, one of those tonight player going up against an X team not one really people think about often when they think of one of his X teams but Kyrie Irving of the Dallas Mavericks is going up against the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland I think Kyrie reaches his line it's line at 25 and a half I like him for 25 plus I think he scores 25 in his old home okay I like the first one that should be a pretty good game, right? It should be a great game. Mavs at, at Cleveland. Cleveland had been playing pretty well, if I'm not mistaken. Cleveland's picked it up a little bit, but the okay. Mavs have revamped since the trade uh, trade deadline. They've got a kind of different little bit of a added identity, I would say. Not not changed, but, you know, P.J. Washington was a was a very, very underrated pickup today. He's also my uh, – it's not a big X, big bet for the day, but I love P.J. to score 10-plus points tonight. Okay, um, I like that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Daniel Gafford as well for the Mavericks. So they're, they're rebounding better. They're stretching the floor. They're defending a little bit better. I like them. I like the, I like the changes they made. But, yeah, Gafford to get 10 – or not Gafford. P.J. Washington to get 10-plus points and Kyrie Irving 25-plus points. That's in the same game, same okay. team. That's uh, that's what I like at the moment. Um, I've got I got a couple more. I've, I've, I've got some buddies that are uh, – we're waiting on some uh, lineup details too. You know, it's that time of day where the NBA uh, lineups come out. You don't know who's injured really till about 5, 6 o'clock because they uh, – they decide the day of some of these guys if they want to sit out or not. But Kyrie and PJ tonight, and uh, I've got one more I'm, I'm going to confirm for you guys. For All right, now. a little tease. I like both those for what it's worth. I, I don't know much about the NBA, and I don't, I don't, I don't bet it frequently. Sometimes I'll just throw some money on if a game's on because it makes it a little bit more interesting. But all right, there's your there's your tease for. Big X, Big Bets, which is not a segment that we do on Kentucky Roll Call, but Mike Rutherford does, and Roman's been hot lately, which is exciting. So, all right, you got to stay tuned for that final one, and you'll need to stay tuned for the final word of the – well, not the final, second to last. After the U.K. game tonight, Roman, I'll do the Dash Clips KRC postgame show on Twitter or X. Awesome. So, it's a long day of talking for me. We're – at four hours after this, it's going to be five, and then I'll probably do an hour and a half or an hour, and you feel free to get Big Blue Drew on when you can. 
A texter says, Roman can confirm NBA is better to bet on. Grown men are more consistent players. I got to say, I look forward to Antonio Reeves in the NBA. He puts up every game. Mike should have a reoccurring segment called Roman's Racks. I love that. Roman's Racks is a great name. If he won't buy the trademark to it, I will. Roman's currently getting Big Blue Drew on, but we'll put a pin in that one, Texter. I like that. Roman's Racks. What I would disagree on about grown men in the NBA, more consistent, is just with 82 games, though, you're begging or asking for inconsistency just for a night off. Load management. And I know if it's load management, you're not going to probably bet in that scenario or the odds will take that stuff into consideration. But you don't know if it's a mental load management night. If it's just, eh, I'm not really feeling it. I'll We got the road trip. I'll get them the next time. Do we have Big Blue Drew on? Big Blue Drew is on. Big Blue Drew. What's up, buddy? How about a Big Blue hello? Big Blue hello right back at you, man. You're doing a lot of radio today, so I'm glad that um, you could bless me and let me let me join you. Some of the Mike Rutherford texters are not happy with me today. We, we had an entire yeah. hour on U of L, Big Blue Drew. I'm not sure what more they could ask for besides Mike Rutherford actually doing his own show. Yeah, I kind of had said yesterday that I just kind of wanted to talk my crap about this UK team that I'm in love with, and the first invite I got was on a U of L show, so definitely accepted <laughs> it. But you, you, you know how I roll, though. I'm not a not a U of L hater, Big Blue Drew. I, I I sat all that towards the Indiana Hoosiers, so not sure if you guys are in studio or not. But I push my hate across the river. I hear you. I'm all for that. I I did some funny pictures of IU on the internet today, so I can relate to some good IU fun. But no, I. But this is the UK Mississippi State unofficial pregame show, Big Blue Drew. So welcome in. Oh, is it nice? Well, man, I like I like us to cover for sure, TJ. We can jump right into it. I, I think Kentucky's going to play well tonight. I think Kentucky's going to finish the season well, TJ. I do. I think they uh, they win at Tennessee, and it, it, I think we're watching them play on Sunday at least in Nashville. At least watching them play Sunday. I also just feel it in my gut, and hopefully I'm so not wrong about this, but I feel it in my gut this team's going to make a run. I don't know if it's in the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, ideally both, but I don't think it's going to be neither. And this is something that I didn't do a great job expressing this morning on Kentucky Roll Call, Big Blue Drew, but how much, how invested are you in the game tonight? Like, are you going to, how upset will you be if Kentucky loses? How over the top may you get if they win? I, I think a lot of UK fans, and maybe this is just me projecting, are almost in March mode. And maybe it's because it's February 27th and it quite literally almost is March. But to me, I, I just, I'm not going to get overly worked up if Kentucky loses tonight. And that has not been the case every game this season. Anybody that's listened to the Dash Clips postgame show knows I normally do get worked up with these losses. But I'm almost just in March mode. I know what this team can do. I've seen them do it. If they don't do it tonight, it's not going to make me think they can't do it in a month. Yes, I'm absolutely tracking with all that. But I'll even take it a little uh, tick different in the fact that this team gets me really high when they're playing well, but I don't trip when they lose. So it's been an awesome season. Maybe another reason that I really love this team because – um, like dropping that game to LSU, that I don't know, it it stunk and everything, but it doesn't do anything to my holistic view of like what this team can accomplish in Nashville and in the NCAA tournament, right? I, I view tonight as the same, and I think every time the team comes back and shows us they still got it, and when I say it, TJ, I mean it, like they got it. Um, it just kind of brings me back down to reality that I'll be surprised, um, and I like the way you put that. If they don't make a run, at least in one of these postseason tournaments, they're going to get a chance to. 
because they're just too star-studded not to, in my opinion. And I know that probably sounds like stubborn UK, Big Blue Drew, but, um, you know, after watching them play in Canada, I came back, I was really trying to throttle what I thought that I saw. So it feels great to be validated through that. But but I'm with you in the fact that um, I'm not going to get too up or down. Kentucky drops this game tonight. Um, it won't really matter to me much, to be honest. And you had mentioned you don't think they do. You do think you said that you thought Kentucky would cover. If you're wondering where that line is for UK's game in Starkville, it's up to four and a half on DraftKings. Wow. Mississippi State, a four and a half point favorite, which Big Blue Drew, we before we came on, we went to Roman's racks. He gave some NBA picks for tonight. He likes Kyrie over 25 points, and he likes P.J. Washington over 10 points. And you can parlay both those for plus 289, by the way, which is pretty good juice if you're interested in Great that. juice right now. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. But UK four-and-a-half-point dogs, the line just keeps going in Mississippi's favor, which this is interesting. I'm going to give you some stats here. 82% of the bets on the money line are on Kentucky. 80% of the spread bets are on Kentucky. Yet the money is going towards Mississippi State. So what does that tell us, everybody? The Sharks are on the Bulldogs. The Sharks are on the Bulldogs. That means the big hitters, the people that are throwing Mm -hmm. around the weight, they think Mississippi State covers. And that kind of worries me, honestly. It's probably the thing I'm maybe most concerned about tonight is for UK's chances is that UK just on CBS dropped 120 points on the SEC leaders like it was nothing, Big Blue Drew. And then they went in. And now they're not going to score 75 points tonight. And they went into their next game as dogs. And I knew this would happen. I saw some people be like, you better get in on the bet before it goes to UK's favor. Everybody was betting on UK because they thought the same thing. I just saw the the casual fans, not UK fans, the casual fans. I've got them on a small parlay. I just saw them put up 120 points on Alabama. Now they're underdogs to Mississippi State? Well, that's not right. That worries me a little bit because usually Vegas isn't in the wrong. But I will say this: Big Blue Drew and people like Big Blue Drew. If you think Kentucky's going to, if you think Kentucky's going to win and you're going to take the UK money line, you may as well do an alternate spread and get have UK given two points. Yeah, and, and you can take a plus one seventy money line and turn it into plus two hundred or plus two ten because Kentucky, if they're going to win, it'll probably be by more than two points, right? I mean, it's unlikely it'll be a one point victory. Not impossible, but unlikely. So if you do think Kentucky's going to win Big Blue Drew, you can uh, you can even give Mississippi State some points if you're feeling froggy. Yeah, it was bizarre. I don't know, seeing that line where it is, where where it moved to, and et cetera. But I did want to mention before I forget that it made me a little uncomfortable when I called TJ with this. Uh, my first experience with this producer who's bringing substance. He was kind of professional. Um, so top to bottom, that was just a, a new experience. So the big X is stepping up. It's been a while since I've been there. So I like the new guy. Keep him around. This is my first day getting to work with him. Scoots has just been, like, salivating over this dude. I appreciate that, Big Blue Drew. You seem like a level-headed Kentucky fan. That, was, that, that's, uh, that doesn't exist. <laughs> He's right about that, too. Big Blue Drew's a great guy. From what I know about producer Roman, he seems like a great guy as well. I'm glad you two are hitting it off. I'm really just saying this because I, I might bump into Scoots tomorrow, and I know that's probably just crushing him if he's listening. Oh, he's listening. All he's right. already sent a text in about you. I don't know if we can read it on the air. I'll let TJ read it if we can. He says, suck it, Big Blue Drew. That's coming from Scoots. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, you can read that. Now you're going to stuff him in a locker if you see him tomorrow night. I might have to, yeah. He kind of stands up on a platform. But, hey, I'll tell you, though, he was working last night. I mean, 
he's bouncing from table to table to get his stuff. And if you're not ready with it, you, you know, he's uh, he's nonverbally letting you know about it. <laughs> I was impressed with his notes. He's got more notes than you would have thought. Old Scootsy would have. Dude, done. He really does get after it. I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm joking here, but he was, he was, he was working last night. You can tell he puts effort into that, and uh, didn't quite see the game that I thought he would see. But he'll probably get a good one tomorrow. Cats versus dogs tonight. Big Blue Drew feels Woo! solid about UK's chances. We had Ty Spalding on the other hour talking U of L. He says. He wouldn't be against Mick Cronin being the coach, and he thinks it may be more feasible than people think. Would you be scared if Mick Cronin's roaming the U of L sidelines here next year? Dude, I love that one. I got to see Mick coach a little bit um, several times. You know, with the CBS Sports Classic, I've seen him, but recently, you know, this season, and I don't know. I might I have to look back at that days. So I might have been mentioning some stuff about that because I think he'd be perfect, like culture fit because he's, um, you know, he's kind of like him if he's your guy, and definitely, you know, easy to you know, mold into a rivalry and hate. So I'd be all for it. I don't know about the feasibility with the contract. I think that part's difficult. Um, but, yeah, I would. that would be, like, one of my top choices. I, I, I kind of felt the same way, and I wanted to have, like, a discussion of, like, that's probably maybe not going to be a great choice, but they, they seemed like they were all right with it. Um, now, granted, not their first choice. They both Roman and Ty both said they, they had other people ahead of Mick Cronin. But uh, I can't believe there's actually a little momentum for Mick. That surprises me. I like him for a culture fit. He's a good culture fit, man. Him and I think him and Cal would be some. It'd be, it would add some good, uh, some good fireworks back to it. I'm for sure on that note. Yeah, I think I think no doubt about it. Uh, he he is. He, he's got some anger issues. That's all right, but uh, he, he definitely does. A texter says, "TJ, if you had to hang out for a day with three Louisville fans, who would it be? Which you? Who's one of your favorite U of L fans? Big Blue Drew." Favorite U of L fans, Big Blue Drew. Um, I'm gonna give a shout out to um, Alan Stone, guy I work with. Oh, that's a big for Alan Stone. Shout out Alan Stone. Alan Stone having just a much better day now that he knows that Big Blue Drew is giving him a shout out. Uh, I'll go Hopefully. with I'll go with my my wife, who's a U of L fan. I'll say I'll say her. Roman, who's a cool U of L fan? Um, Rashawn Myers. He is cool. Wake up five oh two on Saturday morning. There you go. And Mike Rutherford doesn't get doesn't get a shout out here on his own radio show. We all know how cool Mike is. That's that's uh he's in Disney World, Big Blue Drew. He's too cool today. He he took his two kids. How are your kids doing, by the way? I better go check on them. I don't know. They're so they're great. I'm driving um and per usual I'm in traffic heading to the older ones basketball game. Little ones are good, man. Believe it or not, almost 18-month-old twins now. So, believe it or not, twice as hard, twice as expensive. Yeah, that's uh, – people forget you have twins. Uh, that, uh, But you're surviving. You're doing well. Everybody's – Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Wife's a superhero. She definitely gets a shout-out if we're talking about the twins. So, yeah, the kids are good. We'll have, we'll have to get them all together and start us like a uh, 18-man soccer team between all the radio station guys, kids, and stuff. Let me know. I'll B- play. Big Blue Drew, you could have one of Big Z – a the Arrow, Here we go. DJ right. Wagner back next season. One of those three, who are you taking? Ooh, wow, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I'm not asking softball questions. Well, two, two. Of them, I'm, I'm between, I'm between Big Z and I do. I was, I don't know, man. It'd be hard for me not to be excited for Big Z year two, man. Uh, I would go with the most electricity pick, Big Z. I, I, I think I'm weirdly with you. 
I, you know, weirdly enough, that might not be the best one though, man. That, I do would just be a absolute man child. Isn't that weird that like both of us probably had DJ Wagner, somebody that I know you're high on. I'm high on him as well. We had DJ Wagner probably last in that pecking order. Who would have thought that? Yeah, it's not my fault. We have so many good players, TJ. You could do this nine different ways with Kentucky's team. They're not even. They're not even. I mean, we could hear two other guys on this team. It'd be even crazier. So just their depth and like. You know, they're guys that you can just plug and play on this team are just – that's why I'm ultimately so high on March because we could play this game. I said after we went to um, Canada, like a two-on-two or a three-on-three tournament, I mean, you could you could argue six, seven different lineups probably and have a good case. So begs the next question. Why have they struggled Alrighty. as much this season, Big Blue Drew? Sorry, I missed that one. What was it? Why have they struggled as much if they've been – and I agree with you, but why, why have they struggled as much? And how do you fix that? Oh. I wasn't prepared for a follow-up question on that, TJ. I couldn't tell you. No. Um, uh, I think uh, continuity, maybe, you know, part of me, I really want to stick to the fact that when, like, the big lights are on, they're going to show up. And I think for the most part they've done that, like neutral floors, um, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, and then you got to look at coaching some, I think, too. you got to be able to figure out if they've shown that they can do it and you got to stick to being able to do it. But how much of that is, you know, in preparation for all that matters is this next, you know, final stretch and how much a rotation tightens up or whatever we're going to see see Justin Edwards getting on track but um you know it, it could go either way TJ for sure because we could sit here and Kentucky could not make a run in either one of these tournaments like we're saying that they will and then we'll just look like you know we had it wrong all season but I think the intangibles with this team people don't go out and score the amount of points that they do the offensive analytics are just um so, so I think everything set up if there was a team that was going to kind of break the mold of the, oh, the Kim Poms have never done this, the t- team has to be this good defensively, I feel like it's going to be this team like a 2014 UConn. If anybody can do it, they can. I like that, and I can fall in line with that in a major way. If Mississippi State does get the best of them tonight, with both you and I both agree, it's not going to be the end of the world. And now if Kentucky were to get beaten by 30 or something like that, that's certainly going to change the narrative and the topic of conversation. I'm, I think we both agree we don't think that happens. But I, I am curious if we get a court storming in Starkville this evening. Ooh, man, topic of the week. Um, I'm glad this came up, actually, because I'm definitely not against banning court storming. We just gotta, I don't even know how you manage it. Figure it out. We'll get the players off the floor quicker to make it safer. But court storming is just kind of like it's a fabric of the game. we got to keep it. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. So I bet you someone – I can guarantee you somebody – administratively is sweating that question out somewhere though so i have no clue who this is for both you all roman and big blue drew we got big blue drew here on the mike rutherford show i'm tj walker and our producer roman kelly who flopped more or who see who was seeking out contact more kyle filikowski or caitlin clark that's tough they are both being hard-headed and it was on purpose i agree agreed Ah, yeah. The, from the clip, I saw the bird's eye kind of clip from both, and I think Caitlin Clark was being a little more, even more petty. I agree because at least with Kyle, that was a zoo. I mean, that was craziness. There were people everywhere. Now he initiated the contact, and it didn't have to go down the way that it did if he would have handled things differently. It was one girl for Caitlin Clark, and she just drilled her. And they were already off to the side of the chaos. Drilled her. Yeah, and then the aftermath of the fall, too, with hers was a little bit worse. So I, I guess I'd probably lean that way. But both unfortunate incidents that uh, 
you know, overshadowed something. Both both Grace and Allen moments. That's and what I call those. Both are such good players. It's just like you don't you don't need you know you don't need the sympathy of the masses if you had fallen. Um, but I think they were upset about losses and Drew Big Blue Drew. College is where you you learn to become a little bit more mature, right? This is they're they're gonna grow from that. Yeah, and I was thinking about like court stormings as a whole. I've never been a part of one basketball. I haven't been to a ton of road games, um, and the ones that I have I've never seen a storming. But I was been a part of the football ones, and just like the joy it gives so many people. Like you have to figure it out. It's like where were you at moment? I mean, nah, we're, we're, we can't. Uh, I've just seen these outlandish proposals to eliminate court stormings, and hopefully we don't get to that point. Which one do you think is the dumbest? Is it the forfeit the game from the Alabama AD? Or is it going to jail from Jay Billis? Well, jail is definitely silly, but um, you have to say forfeiting the game is so silly too. Because I, I just sit there and think about the players like guarding the field and like knocking the players. Like there's a boundary <laughs> line and they can't get it; they're going to forfeit. So it's like a game after the game, or you lose. Like it's just, it's just. What are you going to do? I mean, money is always going to be the manageable. When you say manageable, that typically means money enforcement. But I don't know what you do, and it, and it's I guess in a way surprising more people haven't gotten hurt. But, you, you know, facts are the facts. I mean, you know, our whole life there's been court stormings and there's no, like, you know, mass injury. So figure it out. I mean, stuff happens. People are – college kids are going to be dumb. Stupid things are going to happen. I do love the – that. I do love the optics of that. You gonna? Kingsley on Enzo couldn't celebrate his 12-point, 13-rebound, 10-block, triple-double performance – because his biggest block of the night came when he armbarred two fans that would have cost Kentucky their victory. Yeah. Like it's a hilarious visual to think of the team like winning and then instantly having to go turn their attention on stopping the crowd from from storming the court. Uh, Rupp Arena. It's debated if it's ever been stormed or not. And the true answer is No, it's never been stormed. Never been stormed. Never been stormed. UK fans did rush the court at Memorial Coliseum, uh, like seventy six or something, way back when. Hey, since it's, it's it technically it better be the last game of the court, I guess when uh, well we can tell you what plays Arkansas is that one it'll be. Um, anyway, they should uh, maybe they should storm it. They should just somebody should Matt Sack or somebody needs to organize that. Do a court storming for the last, you know there no matter what because it'd be the last time that court gets used hopefully it is actually ben roberts of the lexington herald leader we had his co-worker mark story on earlier today he had an update saying that court the big blue blocks they will be here for the remainder of this college basketball season mm. and you won't see them next year though what the, what the big blue blocks UK has the ugliest court in college basketball, Roman. I went for the first time this year against Miami. It's hideous. It's hey, I was at the Miami game. That was a fun one. Uh, it's just a terrible court. It, it's not. Yeah, it was bad. Pleasing on it the was, eyes. I was like, I couldn't believe how out of date it looked. Yeah, it's really, really bad. Uh, that floor actually itself has been around since I think 2001, maybe 2003, and they've done some different decals on it, but it's sanded down so much they can't do anything else to it. Oh, the wood? Yeah. The wood looks bad, too. Everything looks bad about it, Roman. It, it's You're totally right. That's not even just like rivaling or being a U of I, I, I had never seen it up close. I just UK fans rip it all the time, and rightfully so. But they So they brought in a court. They got a new court after UK fans complaining about this old court for years. They brought it in for one game. The game was against UNC Wilmington. They lost that game, and then they said that there was dead spots in that court, so they got rid of it, but it may be back. 
We found out, thanks to Ben Roberts, it will not be back. And even the, the, the basketball team, Big Blue Drew, the basketball tournament team, you know, the TBT, the La Familia, mm-hmm. they're going to play on the Big Blue Blocks. So the court, even after this season, Big Blue Drew, it's not going to be gone, not at least throughout the summer. They'll have that court. Now, they may put a bunch of different like TBT decals on it to cover it up. But, yeah, that court will be around for the TBT, but that will be its last event um, this summer when they do that. And then it will be gone for good, and they'll have the new properly working court set up ready to go for Big Blue Madness 2024. Yeah, I guess it'll have a little bit more run in it, but man, it's it's overdue for sure. So it's very bizarre that they got it worked out and then didn't get it worked out, and we lost on that floor. Somebody should write like the the court should write a book. <laughs> oh, that's the the sweat that I've had. The, right. If the if this hardwood could talk, we could workshop the name. Give me a prediction for tonight, and then we got to go to a, a break. Big Blue Drew. It's been really fun getting to chat with you. Yeah, it has been appreciated. Um, I, like I said, I think Kentucky's going to play well. I think it's more likely Kentucky like wins out type scenario and just blows through this last couple weeks of the season, and our hearts are just pounding like it's 2012 heading into March. Than I do that they lay two, you know, three more duds to finish it out. That being said, I'm going to go Cats. Um, I'm going to go the other way. Cats win by four. Led by, um, there's no way, I mean, I haven't done much radio this season, but, man, Rob Dillingham will be my pick even next season. So, um, I'm going with Rob Dillingham MVP. Cats by four. You, I love it, Big Blue Drew. You can get Rob Dillingham to score over 25 points, 10 to 1. Pretty solid valley, you would think. I, I don't think he gets over 25 tonight, but 10 to 1, you've, you've got my interest. All right, Big Blue Drew, enjoy the game. We'll talk with you on Kentucky Roll Call soon enough. Have a good one, buddy. Appreciate you. See you, guys. All right, Big Blue Drew, we're going to take our last break. We'll come back. We'll get to the Thornton's text line. We'll make our predictions for tonight. Roman's Racks will give his final pick for the Big X bets, but I kind of like Roman's Racks a little bit better, if I'm being honest. I will let Roman decide. We'll be back for one final segment after this. He'll be back on the Mike Rutherford Show 3-6, to six, Monday through Friday on Big X Sports Radio. For one final segment, you got another guest, and shout out to all the people that filled in over the last few days. I am TJ Walker, and it's been fun. I've enjoyed it today. I've enjoyed getting to talk with Roman. Fun group of guests, Mark Story, Ty Spalding, Big Blue Drew, and just talked Cats, UK, UofL. We've talked it all. On today's show, we still have some text out there on the Thornton's text line that we need to get to, 502-414-1450. This Ross texter that texts into the Rutherford show, holy smokes, he's a miserable, miserable texter. We're, we're halfway, I don't want to block a Rutherford texter, but I don't, I'm not so sure I've ever been closer. Sent in 16 text messages during the 4 o'clock hour. Should we read them, Roman? <laughs> yeah, if you want to. Yeah. Nobody gives a crap about UK on a U of L show. Put Rashawn on. Stop talking effing UK. Cards fans don't care. Put Rashawn on until Mike gets back. This is god awful. Roman should be hosting. Roman and Scooch will carry the show until Mike gets back. And these are all separate. Stop talking UK. This is a U of L show. This 
sucks, but. But they didn't say but. Ross, you got some growing up to do, buddy. I said, Ross, spamming the text line is not going to help anything. He says, have some respect for Mike's audience and do your homework. I said, we had a, we talked nothing but U of L from four to five, right? We had tie on for two segments. Great U of L discussion. He says, you quit your whining to me and show Mike some respect and decorum for your show. But he's turned the channel, so he's not hearing this. So that's good. And I guess that means Ross is just going to have to get a big fat block on the Thornton's text line. We don't do it lightly, but you can't spam. That is rule number one. I'm sorry, Ross. Texter says, Ross is a seventh grader. Another texter says, hey, fellas, Brad from Bellbrook here. I feel like Jay Billis didn't fully think through his idea to arrest court stormers because what exactly do you think will happen when hundreds of drunk students see cops trying to cuff them? They're all going to run in a million different directions. You're better off trying to herd cats. It is just such a bonkers idea. And that's try uh, on my AI picture that I tweeted out earlier today. That's what I tried to like. It'd be hilarious. You get all you get thousands of drunk, happy college students. They're just having like the, the five minutes or the 30 minutes of their life. They're all just out there on the court and they look up and they see like stormtrooper FBI agents coming down the lower bowl of the concourse and people try to get out, but they're just trapped in the court and they can't get out. Citations and paddy wagons for everybody. Did you ever go in the paddy wagon, Roman? I haven't. Me neither. You never got in any trouble in college? Nope. I got all my trouble out of the way before college in that's high school. A, that's smart. That's smart or dumb, but smart to get it out of the way and not keep yes, doing it I into like, college. You know, it felt dumb at the time, obviously, and it was, but I learned a lot of lessons that some people learn later on. Much later. You're right about that. Were you in Greek life at U of L? No. No, no, not, no, no, not, no, no, not for you. I was in the um, the uh, join them for special occasions life. Yeah, I hear you. Like, I'll get the perks when you all are partying, and I'm yeah. not paying to pay for friends. <laughs> I actually, that. for the first two, my first two years or a year and a half on campus, I lived like in between. You know where Moby Dick is on Third Street, I right do. on campus. So the next block, I think I want to say, is M Street. That's like a big, big fraternity street, like. Fraternity, like somebody's dad owns these houses and they don't have to really follow rules kind of fraternity. Not actual one of the Greek houses right there by the library. Mm, But down a little bit past Moby Dick, first couple blocks right there, those are all, you know, people who go to UofL but just don't, it's their own homes. Yeah. Or they're paying rent and stuff like that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I lived in between the two main cut streets on Third Street. I was directly on Third Street, but- and between the two main fraternity streets, so you know Derby time, every U of L game, just the beginning of the the beginning of the school year, you know football games. Um, I was around it, never never got fully involved though. I hear you. Well, it sounds like you got all the perks you needed. Yeah. Out of it. It, that so you basically did it the way that I see it. All right, well, good stuff. Yeah, keep you want to text on in, keep them coming five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Uh, yeah. The- what about you, TJ? How was your college life? It was fun. It was awesome. UK won the national championship when I was in college. Wow. Like, just in all... All right, let's say that when you were in college... I can't imagine. Would you rather be UofL... I was a junior when UK won in 2012. But let's just say, would you rather be in the building for when they won, or would you rather be back on campus when they won? What sounds more appealing to you? 
celebrating your team's championship at the game or as a student on the campus? As a, and I'm thinking, I'm saying this as a U of L fan, right? Yes, I'd have to go campus. Our campus is just different. It's, you know, you guys would have more fans at the game probably, so that's a little bit different because the 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 lifestyle on campus is just different. We would have the, I think we'd have the cars burning, you know. In and thirteen, it, it, would, it was a party on U of L's campus. It was. It oh, was. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> I wasn't sure. a partier yet. Uh, you know, I was only. 14, 15 years old. You were old. getting in your high school trouble. Yeah, I was <laughs> Yeah, starting it all off. Getting it getting um, started. But I think, yeah, I'd have to go campus just because, yeah, I mean, that that moment after watching it in person, that would be surreal. That would not be – you wouldn't be able to replace that. But the fun comes after that anyway, right? And to be at home near, you know, where, where the majority of the fans for the team are, it would be, you know. I'm so, ready for it. I think we'll get it. I think we'll get it before, you know, 2040, we should get another championship. Ain't going to be with Mick Cronin, but no, uh, before 2040, I think maybe L will have another champion. I want to say bet- before 2037, but, you know. They may have another championship by then. We'll see. Uh, but no, so I went to the Final Four game in New Orleans as a 21-year-old. So my birthday is in March. I turned oh, wow. 21 the SEC tournament was in New Orleans. What a month for you. We went down with my friends. We had an absolute blast. Turning 21 down there was a great time. And sure enough, three weeks later, Kentucky's back in the Final Four, and they're back in New Orleans. And I had not, the year before when Kentucky was in the Final Four, it was in Houston, and we did not go. We did not, I, I did not go to the Final Four. They lost the semifinal game. If they had gone to the championship, I think I'd kicked around the idea of maybe going, but I probably would not have. But in this time, in this instance, we talked about, hey, you know, we were going to the SEC tournament. The Final Four is just three weeks later. Are you going to go twice? And we said, you know what? If Kentucky makes the Final Four, we're just going to watch it at home, or we'll watch it at the at, on campus, and the SEC tournament will be our trip. Because you don't know if UK is going to make the Final Four. If we plan for that, they end up getting upset. That'll stink. Let's just lock in what we know we're going to have. So we did that. It was a blast. But then it's UofL they're playing in the Final Four, Roman, back in 2012. So that changed things because it was like I've been wanting, you know, I got to see UK play in a Final Four game the year before, not in person, but at least, you know, we had the parties and all that stuff. But this is UofL. I feel like I have to be there. So I went to that game with my brother. It was great. We had a blast. It was a lot of my friends, obviously my wife, she's a UofL fan. We like I'd run into my friends that were U of L fans and went to U of L, but like we hadn't talked that we were all going to be there. It was just kind of like I went with my UK guys, they went with their U of L guys, but just in the middle of Bourbon Street, every so often you'd run into somebody you knew and you'd be like, oh yeah, there, there. Like all of Kentucky was down on Bourbon Street for that Final Four. Now it, what what Kentucky team was this? Twenty twelve. Anthony oh, okay, Davis, okay, Terrence okay, Jones, okay, the championship. Group. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking I, that was a, that was a, an experience. That was so much fun. But after they won that game, I was like, I'm going to go back to Lexington, and now I want the national champion experience as a student in Lexington. So I went back to Lexington for that Monday night, and that was an all-timer, just running around campus, partying, celebrating, people doing silly things, all that fun stuff. So I think I did it right, but you can't go wrong watching your team win a championship anywhere, whether you're at home, in the building, on campus, whatever. But my thought process, Roman, is I'm only going to be a student for these four years. I want to party with the students. And then 
my dumb thinking was like, UK will win other championships. I'll see those in person. I mean, when no, I'm older, I'll see day, those. At the end of the day, it's right. You're not you're not going to be a student again. You know, mm-hmm. w- w- while you while you have a team that you like like that. Um, and I think I think that I think you did it perfectly. Honestly, I think that was that's honestly as good as it could have gone for. I, I was happy with it. They won, of course. It was great. It was a blast. Twenty fifteen. I did not live in Lexington anymore. I'd moved back to Louisville, but we knew enough people that did, and we had we were gonna we were gonna try to kind of recreate the magic, but the reverse. We were gonna do Final Four against Wisconsin in Lexington. We went to Keeneland that day. It was a beautiful day, if people remember. And then we said, if Kentucky wins, we'll drive up to Indy for the national championship game. UK would be going for forty and zero against Duke. No way in hell I wouldn't be in the building for that one. Well. Then they lost to Wisconsin, and it wasn't such a fun night in Lexington that night. And I never did Frank get a the chance tank. to see Kentucky play Duke for a national championship, but it would have been pretty cool if I did. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. What's the Kentucky buffoon doing on the show today? Not talking about the CBI draw for U of L. Texter says, "Say why are y'all allowing TJ to come on your show and blabbermouth about Kentucky?" who we all know will be a first weekend tournament exit anyways. And L fans will just be watching on TV like they have been the last several years. Hey, now, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting back to that. We'll be getting back. I, I really am shocked Kenny Payne was as bad as I didn't he was. see it. I didn't see it being this bad. I thought he'd have a you know borderline losing year, first year, and be right on that cutoff, way off, right? And then you think, no, no way it can be that bad again. And, but then again, it's like if you do half as good, that expectation is still not good enough either. And that's what he did. He did about half as good as last year, I want to say. I always said, I don't know if he can coach his way out of a paper bag. I obviously thought he'd be a much better coach than what he's shown. But I did I did have the caveat that, like, we don't know if he can coach because he hadn't been a head coach, Roman. But I did think, I was like, you all are going to take some players from Kentucky every now and then. You're gonna take play. You're gonna be recruiting yeah. with the best of the best. The recruitment should, alone should make us a good team, like you know. And hopefully, he can coach us into a winning team. You're gonna have right? lottery picks on your team, and maybe they don't pan out. Maybe they do pan out, but you'd have lot. You haven't had lottery picks, you know. What like, a manipulator! <laughs> what a master manipulator he was to us. He never wanted to take the job for what it was That's worth. true. I and that's what I. That's what. That's what I always look back when I say, "How do we get here?" I look back at he had to get talked into the job, you know. I think there's some coaches out there that their their bags would be packed after the phone call. Yeah. And that's what you need. You have to, you know, I'm not going to say that we have some identity that requires the coach being this or that or this or that, right? But a coach who wants to be here, who wants to to, you know, create something that's his own here and has that desire to do so, that's important. And I don't know if I don't know Kenny Dev Kenny definitely just didn't do it right. He 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 struggled with figuring out with what how he wanted to operate. It seems like. Yeah, he did, and, and I also think he thought it'd be a lot easier. And like once he realized that you have to sell people to come, and you know you're competing with nil, and your nil offer needs to look great. And some coaches are slow learners in that. I think he was. How how often did he say like we're not nil? He he would try to parrot Calipari, but it was like. Somebody that's learning a second language repeating something. It was just like broken a little bit. Like you got the gist of what they were trying to say, but it just didn't come out the exact same way. So like he would do the same nil spiels that Cal would do. 
but they'd just be kind of worse versions of it. He would do the, like, I don't want to beat my friend badly, but he'd be doing it when he's, like, you know, 1-13 and 13 on the season. Remember when he said he wouldn't? He only wants to beat Cal by one point? Like, Cal makes comments like that every now and then, but he's just better at it, or maybe he's just better at winning where people don't get as worked up. But Roman UK fans have had their uh, – a good chunk of them have had their fill of just Calipari-isms. Just his coach speak. Yeah, he, he's he's yeah. one of one when it comes to press conferences. You, you have a coach long that. enough. Yeah, we again, and I'm I, I'm labeled kind of a Calipari supporter, although it's we we crush him on roll call fairly as much as uh, as much as other shows will. But I, he had a quote the other day when Big Z had his game against Alabama, where he had like 18 points and. I don't know if you got to watch that Alabama game or not, but the Cats were balling out, and Big Z had a big game. And after the game, Cal was like, you know, I had a hunch that he was going to have a big game. I could feel it coming on, and I had somebody tell me not to do it. They didn't trust me, but I did it anyways. And it was just such like a – it was hilarious, Cal. That's, uh, like Le- a- that's like LeBron does the same thing. LeBron does that like <laughs> what he was going to say is the case now that it's happened. The the LeBron Kobe eighty one point game one is like the all time. That's what he. That's what Cal does though. That's exactly what Cal. For sure. For I, sure. I knew he was gonna go off tonight. It, it was like, is he gonna? But I, I want to know: Is Big Z gonna go off tonight? Uh, is he gonna have a big game? Not really the style for Big Z. Mississippi State much more physical inside. They've got a little more girth than Alabama does, and they're gonna be a little bit more physical as well. But. I don't know if we'll see Big Z. I, Cal, call your shot. Who's it going to be tonight? Call it before the game, actually. Do it in the in the pregame with Leach. Tell Leach, like, you know what, people? I saw it in DJ's eyes tonight. Yeah. He's going to be tell a Tell us what matchup you like and, and what you're going to try to exploit before the game. Yeah, and, like, you know, maybe who's going to get maybe more shots and what points totals you like and what some of the unders you like. Because, Roman, we need one more rack. We do. We do need one more rack. Let's recap the other two racks so far. So we've got P.J. Washington, 10-plus points tonight. His line, when I checked this, not this morning, early in the day, it was at 10.5. His over-under was 10.5 points plus 100. So 10 to 1, I believe, is what you you guys do. You guys phrase it like that. I don't even know. I don't normally, but just uh, sometimes that's easier. We're we're still a horse racing city, Roman. So that's sometimes true. if you can just that's do the true. odds. i got to try to convert these people, though. I'm with you. I'm, it's plus I'm, 100. It's doubling your money. But I like P.J. Washington to score 10 points tonight. The way Luka and Kyrie play, they the, the offense my, the Mavericks have right now, um, obviously Luka Doncic is one of the best passers in the NBA and is on path to being one of the passers, best passers we will ever see, I think. And a lot of people don't realize this. Kyrie Irving is a very willing, very high IQ passer as well. And when they play teams who, you know, when the game's a little bit closer flowing and there's not just one of them two dominating – Kyrie, you know, they both are passing the ball. What I'm getting at is the role players get a lot of touches for the Mavericks, a lot more than people realize because of how willing Kyrie and Luka are to pass the ball, partially because they're they're, they're bringing two almost any time they get inside the paint. Um, PJ's going to have, you know, all kinds of three-point attempts tonight. I think he hits a couple threes, gets a couple layups, a few free throws. I think he easily reaches 12, 13, 14 points. But I think he 10 is the safe bet, 10-plus. That won't be plus money because that'll, you know, it'll juice it down probably like minus 140 or something mm-hmm. like that. But I like PJ Washington, 10 plus points, along with Kyrie Irving, 25 plus points. Um, uh, interesting fact I don't know the exact number, but the Cleveland Cavaliers allow an outrageous number of points per game to shooting guards. 
Obviously, Kyrie Irving isn't a traditional point shooting guard, but at the moment he's playing a shooting guard kind of role. Yeah. Um, and I just I don't I don't see him slowing down tonight. I think there's a chance he could have potentially have more points than Luca tonight. Um, but those two, I like PJ. I like Kyrie. Um, I've got a third one here. A lot of people. This one. This one's a you know a little bit sweatier line. Some might say, but he had a huge game last game out, and he's going up against another good uh good team today at home. Jalen Brunson over six and a half assist. So PJ ten plus Kyrie twenty five plus P uh, Jalen Brunson over six and a half assists for the New York Knicks up against the Pelicans. New York New Orleans Pelicans. Okay, those are my three big bets, right? And then. I like Steph Curry to get four assists every time he touches the basketball. Okay. Steph Curry, four plus assists. Now, that's going to be my likely Roman Roman likes it kind of bet, but not a big X, big bet. Those are, We're only going to have three big X, big bets of the day, plus a, 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 a bet that I'm comfortable with in uh, Steph Curry, four plus assists. He has, Jalen Brunson, by the way, has over six assists or more in one, two, three, four, five. Uh, five of his last six games. So. There you go. Okay. Six and a half. I like it. Six, okay. six to play at six plus to play it safe. His lines is six and a half. Your your choice. He had twelve last night too. He's average and scoring see, 40, thirty plus 30. too. He's averaging eleven over his last three games. Eleven assists per game over his last three. Pretty pretty impressive. So all right, there's Roman's racks for you. Make some money with Roman. Bet responsibly, and uh, I. I'll text into the Rutherford Show tomorrow, Roman, just to see how we do, okay? Sounds good. Uh, looking forward to that. A few other texts on the Thornton's text line. says, Ashworth is nails Aaron Craft-esque regarding our conversation earlier about Creighton, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he is good. He's, he's not actually the one of the first, like, three players that comes to mind, but, Roman, you're probably right. Maybe he should be. Uh, when I think of that Creighton team. Yeah. An- another texter says, is this a UK show now? No, no. Rutherford will be back tomorrow. It's okay. Another texter says, Mark's story sounds a lot like Bozich. Like the way he's talking about stuff? I can see. I think it just means like his voice sounded like Bozich. Okay. I I, I could see it. I think it. it's more, yeah, I could see what you're saying. But no, I disagree. I don't think they sound alike. Uh, another texter says, live Mike. I hope we didn't have any issues. They said, that British accent came off as more of a South Park Canadian accent. It wasn't my best. It was on the spot. I messed up. I'm not proud of it. South Park Canadian. That's a, that's a good example, though. It is a good example. It's a very creative yeah. example, too. Way to talk yourself up, Scoots. Right before TJ releases his co-worker power rankings. I'll get to that. Another texter says, what changes quicker, the weather in Louisville or the UK fan base feelings towards Cal? The UK fan pretty bases. even, yeah, pretty even right now. Um, it is UK's fan bases just on this team are wildly dramatic. You lost LSU last week, and people freaked out, and I wasn't happy about it. It was a frustrating way to lose a basketball game. Then you beat Alabama; everything's right in the world. This, I think, UK fans just realize how likable this team is, how the end is near with this group. You only have maybe up to, well. Ideally, you could have 13 more basketball games if you went to the SEC championship and the national championship. But time's running out with this team, and I think fans are kind of nervous that it may not amount to what we all thought it may amount to. So, yeah, it's uh, we're, we're a fickle bunch right now. There's no doubt about that. Getting to hear the KRC guys on Tuesday afternoon makes my workday go by faster. Go Cats! That's from Shannon O'Bannon. 
We're happy about that. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks for listening. And then another, uh, the other texter was about Mike Rutherford. Um, texter says, Roman is great on the radio. Conversational. UK fan here. We're nice. These Cards fans whine and whine. Now, I, I, I'm just a little bit more accepting of where where we're at, where Kentucky's at, how long it'll be before those those uh, those those two places get a little bit more even. And I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not going to sit here and bash Kentucky anymore. I will bash the people who think that Calipari is the greatest college basketball coach ever. I will always call them people those people crazy. And then the people who say that we aren't the 2013 national championships, I'll call them people crazy as well. Texter, that texter also says they took away your 2013 championship. Only team ever. Pitiful. They still got the rings. They still got the rings. Some baseball updates. U of L baseball wins. They, I think, now maybe even have a winning record after that terrible start. They beat Eastern Kentucky 12 to three, and then UK playing the western part of the state, Western Kentucky, which really isn't in the western part of the state. The Batcats are up four to nothing in that one. So U of L baseball getting back on track. UK baseball trying to win another midweek game. The Cats of Mississippi State tonight. Roman gave you his racks. I really like to to lose Smith over 16 and a half points. I wanted to make sure that number was still accurate. I, I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I, I don't know if I would take I think it's going to be probably low 80s, Roman. That would that would give us the over if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I uh, think the losing. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I I want to say Kentucky blows them out or loses loses a lower scoring like 78, 75, just right around that 80 mark, maybe 82, 79, 88, uh, 70, 72 to or uh, I'm sorry, um, 82, 85, like right around there to 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 77 to 79 like right around there if if Mississippi State wins other than that I think Kentucky only wins a blowout I don't know why but Vegas is anticipating about an 80 to 76 game that's that's what they're thinking is going to happen Mississippi State wins about like an 80 to 76 I could very well see game I could also see them coming out other people have a similar opinion that hey it's either UK blows them out or if it's a close game they're probably going to lose a heartbreaker for me, it's really as simple. If Trey Mitchell plays, I think Kentucky's going to win. I think they'll have enough to combat Mississippi State's front court. He, Trey Mitchell, even if he's not hitting threes, he's an important defensive body. If they have him, I think they win. If not, I think Mississippi State wins a close one. But I do like Smith over on points. And Antonio Reeves over 19.5. He's been money on that all year. We're out of time. Roman, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks to the guests today Appreciate as well. You, TJ. Mike Rutherford will be back tomorrow. I'll be on at 7 a.m. for Kentucky Roll Call in the morning. This is Big Exports Radio, the final word. Good.